Hello humans, welcome to the M Word, brought to you by Martin, that's me, and Matt, that's him. Hello Matthew. Martin, been a while? It has. Well, we'll dig into that because it actually ties into our guest, mm. Ian. Ian, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. No pleasure. Uh, provide a bit of context and go back to your discussion. It's been a while, yeah, we've mm. decided to have a bit of a summer break. Part of that was, uh, I suppose, my fault because I was uh, pretty fatigued over the last few mo- few months really now. And uh, one of the things that I did during that period was I went on a mindful course or day day long course up at the children's centre. And one of the things that was going going on up there was uh, what Ian does with with Wim. Uh, and you've come up in a number of conversations we've had with with athletes that we've had on the program as well. So uh, again, I wanted to connect with you. Never got or didn't get round to it. And then we were just discussing off air there the small Isle of Man that, that we live in. I was I was out with a French and aid a few weeks ago. Heard her on the phone. Mentioned the name Kirky. Didn't even know it was your nickname. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, "Is that being the Isle of Man? Is that an Ian Kirk? Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I was like, "I need to speak to him." And, she obviously can't be introduced, so thanks for coming down mm. uh, and, and having a chat about what you do. We've been having a chat for half an hour off air, so I suspect we've got a lot more to chat about on air. Yeah. No. So uh, maybe just to kick things off, the uh, were you originally from the island? Um, I'm originally from uh, Warrington. Oh, right, okay. Um, and Earlham and Caddyshead, uh, just outside of Manchester, or Salford. I moved to the island when I was 14. And I've been here since. Right. And, uh, I presume yeah. your folks came here to work, did they? Yeah, my mum's a midwife. Okay. Um, so she came over to uh, be a midwife in yeah, yeah, the hospital yeah. at the Jane. And uh, my father, he works as a gardener, a builder. And, right. You know, jack of all trades. Jack of all yeah. trades, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do much, uh, any, well, any job, really. And what school was it when you came over? Uh, Bala Commune. So okay. So two years at Bala. Um, and then after that, it was Barclays Bank. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> So, so yeah. And that just need to find a job type of thing. Uh, yeah, kind of before I moved over to the Isle of Man, I wanted to kind of be a PE teacher or something like that. I wanted to do something to do, uh, to do with sports or the human body and learning physiology and bones and things like that. But yeah. then kind of when I got to the Isle of Man, it was more the business sector that kind of was was kind of like, the, the place to be. Like most type. people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's end up no matter what. And business right over here isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so i kind of went down that route and then after four years in the bank i kind of decided yeah. that wasn't for me right and uh, then went to work in a factory called uh, well dlp down at snug red training state uh we were there for 12 years right. 12 years to realize that wasn't for me <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and then i decided to go on this this journey journey yeah, yeah. so what, what what started that journey where did that journey start um basically or what I, was the trigger i was sick basically right. um i was ill and at the time, I was in a relationship. We just bought a house and whatnot. And after 18 months of being in the house, the relationship broke down. Um, my fiance at the time left me. Um, and I was in a pretty bad way uh, with my health. I was constantly having um, like food poisoning type symptoms and okay. things like that. My bowel condition that was really debilitating. Right. And were you seeking, um, speaking to doctors? Yeah, to so I help. was going to the doctors. They actually uh, tested one of my stool samples and right, realized lovely. that I had some bacteria and then these viruses and, and things like that, or parasites or, or whatever it was. And uh, they actually sent the environmental health round and, and things like that. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, to, to kind of wonder where I got these, these symptoms from and these parasites and, and whatnot. So, and your, your not great health, was that then affecting you, as I use the word, mentally or yeah. getting you down? And Absolutely, uh, in every way of life, uh, from yeah, my, my health to my fitness to my, my, yeah, my mental health. Um, 
it was a lot paranoid I felt like um like a lost helpless child that was stuck you know somewhere and couldn't get out and um it took a lot for me to to kind of change my ways because I thought I was having, I was on a good diet I was training I was exercising what training were you day. doing like I was, did you for, well, I was playing for all boys okay uh, football uh, football team um I also at the same time I was doing some home gym work that I was right. doing I was I was in pretty good shape but internally I was I was kind of dying yeah um so much so that I was kind of passing blood uh, oh, and things right, like wow. that right. and was uh, at that point was that kind of you maybe a justification of all your exercise now of, and your thought process there is that well to be healthier I need to exercise more I need to do more even diet, though yeah, yeah all yeah, that yeah. sort of thing that that's, good that, yeah, the yeah, more, yeah. more, more yeah. health I do the more obviously my best, my, my body will become yeah but then like, that just wasn't the case mm. and then after going to the doctors and having the old uh, prostate check and, and getting scheduled to go for the colonoscopy which is the, putting the camera mm. up the rear end um, I kind of just before that had a bit of a, a, a tough week in work because I was obviously trying to, I was sick, I was trying to work 60 hours a week in, in the factory to pay for my mortgage that I was left yeah, in yeah. And, and pay right. my ex out and things like that. So I was in a massive financial hole and I just felt, you know, like you said about fatigue and things like that, that's the way I felt. I just, it got to the point where I was that drained, like the people in work were asking me if I was okay. And uh, at one point, uh, like all my lymph nodes were really inflamed and things right. like that. And I actually mentioned to my mum, I was like, I think I'm, you know, have I got cancer or something like that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, worst case scenario. But uh, from going to the doctors, they told me, you know, um, that basically these bowel conditions that I might have, that they, they don't really, nobody gets over them. You'll be on medication for the rest of your life and things right. like that. And then it got to the point when I was in the factory and I was like, you know, I was just in work one day and I thought, you know what, that's it, I've had enough. And I'm not one of those people who gets something in the mind and, and doesn't go through it. So for me, I was going to go home that day and, and kind of end my life. And, and Oh, right, okay, uh, right, okay. I got to that stage where I was like, um, but luckily a friend rang me up uh, not long before I was about to do it. Right, wow. Uh, and kind of said he'd take me in and had look you, after and me for the weekend. And if you don't mind me asking, before yeah. that moment, have you, had you talked to friends or family about the... the the mindset that you were get not mindset that you were getting those kind of tendencies to end it. No, no. Uh, mm. I mean, it wasn't even really. It was just. It was just reach breaking point. Those, yeah, it was just one of those things mm. where I, I wasn't even upset about it. I was just physically done. Yeah, you know, right. Physically knackered, and I was like, you know what, that that's it. You know, I'm gonna go home do it. And it's gonna be I'll write one little letter, and that's it. You know, mm. but uh, divine intervention. Yeah, so you want to call it? And when you mate rang you, did you say? I'm, I'm not in a great place, I need a bit of help. Well, he just asked me how I was doing. Right. And uh, I was literally about to go and get in the car to go home and do it. Right. And, wow. uh, and he was like, listen, because um, I didn't want him to, the last time I spoke to him, I didn't want him thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I could have done something else or, or whatnot. But he just managed to ring me out of the blue. So listen, come to mine for the weekend. Me and my girlfriend look after you. Don't worry about food or anything like that. Come and stay at mine. And it was actually that weekend when I decided, you know what, there must be a natural way. Right. Uh, you know, instead of going down the medical route, which I've seen over my whole lifetime has not helped certain family members that suffer with mental health disorders and things like that through antidepressants and other things. So for me, it was like, you know, I've seen that that system kind of doesn't work and I don't want to go down that route. So I've decided I was going to go the natural way right. and I knew that I had to do something for my mindset. So I just started to, like the first book I bought was um, Power of the Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. And I started reading that and it started talking about meditation and things like that. So I started 
meditating on my own, even though right. I thought it was a bit weird. And I'm from obviously the footballing background, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Have a pint down the down the pub with your friends, so it was a bit weird for me. Um, Can I just go back to that? You mentioned about sort of that weekend, and you thought about going down the natural route. Was there something there previously where you felt that was an option? Because it's, I wouldn't say it's a leap, but just from kind of going down a route to suddenly go, oh, I might try that. Or was the things maybe seen a few things already? Or I was just I just started searching. Right. I just started searching for natural remedies for bowel conditions and things right. like that. So I was doing like um, cabbage. I was putting cabbage in the freezer and freezing it and making cabbage smoothies and things right. like that. Um, and it just kind of progressed from there about diet and then I found out about plant-based diet and the benefits of that. So I decided straight away, even though I didn't know what I was doing or what to eat or what food to prepare, I was like, right, I'm going vegan, basically, yeah. in time. Yeah. Even though I don't like the label, like yeah, we yeah. discussed before. Um, so I did that and um, I was doing it to kind of heal myself, but like, I wasn't prepared for the amount of ridicule that I'd get in the process because, uh, you know, I had friends. dare you look after yourself. Well, yeah, so people didn't know I was sick because I was always very, always a very closed off person. I'd always kept this stuff to myself. And, um, and yeah, so nobody really knew that I, the reason why I was doing it. They just thought I was this weirdo that was changing my diet for the animals and all the rest of it. And, you know, obviously working in a factory of all men, yeah, yeah. you know, that I was, I was walking in with different foods and then they were waving sausages at me and yeah, labeling yeah. me a weirdo and, and all kinds of stuff. But that's, that's part of the process, you know, it's, uh, it was one of them. And, and, and that, that, uh, that sort of change, how, how quickly one did you do that? Or were you immediately write, this is what I'm doing. And then when did you start to feel I'm on the path, I'm on a good path here? Um, well, I immediately I changed because um, I believed in. I looked at the knowledge and was willing to to trial and error through experience. I used kind of my body as, as an experiment, yeah, yeah. really, so to see what worked and what didn't. And uh, when I first jumped in, I like I didn't eat properly for a month. I was living off like soy smoothies with cacao and and hemp seeds and things like that. So for the first first month or so, when learning and because you have to relearn everything you've learned about diet and nutrition and, mm. and everything else. So it was very hard at first, you know, but my body was cleansing. It was like, you know, I was going to the bathrooms and uh, basically was flushing the toilet like multiple times in yeah, one yeah. sitting. And it was like, what the hell is this stuff yeah, coming yeah. out? You oh, know, yeah. and it was literally, I could feel my whole body cleansing. Right. But it, it took around two years till I actually oh. really felt oh. like I was healed. Yeah, right. You know, because I was in a bad way. Yeah. Um, and it took about two years, but it was actually when I, I went uh, after finding out about Dr. Sebi and yep. the alkaline diet and things like that. And um, I was I was skin at the time and uh, I had quite a bit of fruit in. So I was like, right, I'm just going to eat fruit for the week right. until I get paid at the end of the week. So that, that week then of just having the raw fruit and things like that and obviously fasting and completely, it was when I actually felt really good again. Right, it was okay. the first time I ever thought or ever felt this is what it's truly like to feel healthy. You yeah, know, I feel right. that good. You know I mean, I know we talked about it earlier on where you said you changed your, your diet yeah. and straight away you had more energy and things like that. And it was the same with me because I was eating, I went from eating six small meals a day as somebody who was training in, in the gym and football and on my feet every day in work, which now I know is, is not good because I was constantly in the sympathetic nervous system, which obviously you don't want to be in constantly. Um, so yeah, my body kind of just broke down because of that. And then obviously when I then went into fasting and juices and smoothies and things like that, yeah. my body just started to cleanse and, and just started to feel, I felt like I had more energy. Right. I mean, at first it was hard because uh, obviously you go through a, a detox, your body starts to get rid of some yeah. stuff. 
So the first month was hard, but I did it intermittently with the fasting. Right. And so I basically went from having my diet at seven uh, to then having my diet at eight and then nine and just pushed it like that. Yeah, before yeah, I knew yeah. that I was going the whole day with more energy than ever uh, than I had before. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the key thing there from what I'm listening is that everyone changes their diet or anything like that and expects instant results. That's to come as soon as you change, you're on a new diet, whatever happens, something like this, and oh, it's, it's not worked after a week, I don't feel any better, I'm going to go back to how I was, yeah. and it's good, I think that's important, is that you need to keep to keep at it and build those, and I know we spoke with um, Johnny, another one, it's, it's you know, your routines are, are, are key in get, building up those habits. Habits, yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I know. You, I mean, you mentioned loads of things there that we'll dig into, <laughs> dig into, yeah. and say be fasting, etc. Yeah. I presume then on that, as you go through that journey or the start of that journey, then you're just adding more and more things, learning more and more things in yeah. regard to what what you're doing to improve the way you feel, the way you, you know, your body reacts to food, those yeah. types of things. So that was for me. So straight away, like I said, I was going into having a soy, uh, which yeah. went from now uh, the more I learn. The more I had to kind of let go of that cognitive dissonance and and be like, okay, don't just believe what someone's telling me. Yeah. I actually, actually experience it for myself and then make a decision uh, based on what I've experienced and what I've learned. So, yeah. And that, I think that's a, a major point of mm. uh, again educating yourself around or it personally, it's good. And well, it is. That's the most important thing. Don't read. Well, by all means, read other things, but educate yourself and then. Not experiment, but learn. Yeah, yeah, because ultimately we are different human beings, so we will react differently to things. Work Uh, what find, well, like work out what um, works for you. Yeah, you know, for for me, uh, like I said, when I started finding out about soy being an artificial plant and things like that, and that's how I was mainly having soy at the start, and that's obviously why my healing took a little bit longer. And the more when I got into the Doctor Sebi thing, which I had cognitive dissonance about myself when people mentioned about orange carrots. You know, and saying that they're man-made, and, and Dr. Sebi saying it's man-made, it's artificial, and then the more I was like, nah, I don't believe in this guy because he's saying that, and I've been eating carrots, and he yeah. can't be, but the more I kind of was like looked into it and found out that they were, I was like, okay, well, if I cut that out with my diet, you know, and I just I just basically broke everything down, well, what am I putting in my diet that's making me healthy, and what am I not, yeah, you know, yeah. and what, what's making me well. So I kind of just broke it down with that and, and listen to my body. That's yeah. the main thing that we don't do is, you know, if you've got inflammation or you've got fatigue or yeah, you've got yeah. something, your body's giving you a warning sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, listen, you're doing something wrong. You've got to figure out what it is. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's the kind of way I went from it. Yeah, and I think, I think I guess, more often the modern life is, when when it's going wrong, is to seek answers from elsewhere, which is never a bad thing to go and speak to your doctor, etc. But you're also in control of that situation yourself. So, yeah, try and... Yeah. find that solution yourself along with doctors or whatever they may be yeah or just um yeah use, use your own self yeah yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, take back control of my own health yeah, into yeah, my yeah. own hands rather yeah, than yeah. relying on a doctor who just wants to give me uh, a synthetic chemical or you know. yeah yeah so, yeah so we'll come go on yeah. Yeah. no i just gonna ask one question which hey well definitely i've got is how how would you recommend someone to start looking into all this because this in terms of changing health or looking into how you may be able to benefit yourself? Because I know you said that you just started researching and before we started talking, you just yeah. bought a book. Yeah. From my own personal experience, when you want to look at something, it was such, so many 
different views, opinions, all that sort of stuff out there. It can be quite daunting to be, yeah. okay, I'll read this one. But I might be missing out on something here that I should start with. It's kind of this, where, where's, it's, where, it's where's, size, where's, isn't it? where's yes. the starting point? So it's kind of, how would you recommend from your experiences how people could go up, you know, start looking into this? Sort I mean, of? I mean, for me, um, what would, if I'd have known basically about Dr. Sebi earlier and I'd known about what he did, because obviously if not, well, for the people who haven't heard of Dr. Sebi, Dr. Sebi is a, or was a healer who had been basically um, curing all kinds of diseases since 1985, uh, which is 35 years now. And, and just to clarify that, when we're talking diseases, we're talking cancer, AIDS, diabetes, yeah, yeah. sickle cell, lupus, blindness, paralysis, and in, in one case, I think. Um, and yeah, this guy actually represented him, well, he advertised it in, in a magazine, or a couple of magazines. So it was like herbal tablets, for the one of a better yeah, well, expression. Yeah, it was, it was a natural diet of fasting, sea moss teas, and um, yeah, all, all natural herbs, uh, alkaline, electric herbs, because the body is electrical, so what Dr. Sevi would say, body's electrical so we need food that complements our human biochemistry so we need foods that are electrical so things like your sea mosses your sarsaparilla uh, which is has the highest iron count of any plant um and just just natural plants but that's a minefield in itself because some plants like i said about the orange carrot are, are man-made or artificial so the orange carrot contains starch and sugar which are both acidic for the human body uh, whereas Dr. Sebi would talk about alkalinity and things like that and also say that he doesn't lend himself to philosophies or theories. Either he knows something or he doesn't know. Yeah. And then that's the way he'd go about it. And uh, he actually got his healing from a Mexican right. um, when he was sick and then obviously went down that path of learning himself. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just, so he talks about an alkaline diet that disease can't grow in alkaline and therefore yeah, that so should be the... creates an environment in the body where disease can't develop. And, yeah. and for me, I've not been sick well um, you know for flu type symptoms or anything like that for seven years right so so you so since looking into sebi you've been practicing you you know you've been having an alkaline based diet from a better term as, as much as i can yeah. i mean you know I'm, I'm no saint you know i, I still like to have a, a beer now and again yeah, and, and a drink somewhat of a balance isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it it's all about balance so um yeah um like i like a pizza now and again yeah, like yeah. i said before you know so i'm not fully committed but i do fast for say 20 hours a day right at least right okay so you tend I'm to be one, one meal person one big meal a yeah, day yeah. now compared to seven before mm. so i'd say you know as a good start for anyone who's trying to go down this path i'd say which would cut out a lot of disinformation yeah uh, would be to start dr sebi and, and have an open mind um, yeah, yeah and also the wim hof method so in regard to uh, dr sebi he's obviously well he's got a pretty famous story do you yeah. want to let the listeners know the story about him and the High Court in New York. Yeah, well, um, basically, uh, Dr. Sebi advertised um, that he was curing all these diseases that nobody else was curing. And so the FDA and the Supreme Court in America um, tried to um, prosecute him for practicing medicine without a license, um, which then they told him to come to the courtroom uh, with, I think it was one person of each ailment that he that he cured and he turned up to the courtroom with around 66 to 70 people uh, and also represented himself and uh, won his court case because um, yeah. he had the evidence to back it up he had two doctor's notes to say that the person was sick with the illness and then two doctor's notes to say that they were healed from the yeah. from the illness i mean it's like a movie really that, that story in itself is a movie which we kind of come on to they were trying to make a documentary about him yeah uh, and the, the 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 individual in Nipsey that was doing that was was 
shot dead. Yeah. Again, there's you know coincidences going on that are particularly peculiar. Yeah. Say. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was he was healing celebrities like Lisa Left Eye Lopez. He healed her from an eye condition, which is why she used to wear the eye patch. Um, uh, he was helping people like Michael Jackson uh, and other celebrities and things like that. And he was he was getting quite well known. And um, you know, his motto was you know um, that he didn't want to make money off people who were sick you know and, and and needed help so you know he wanted to give his his herbal compounds and his medicines away for i think it was 10 pound a year he said in an interview which then if he had a million people that had making 10 million a year a year which was enough to run the village and carry on um the healing village that he had in honduras and carry on supplying people yeah. with uh with medicines and things like that so yeah so yeah i would certainly recommend when you uh or looking him up and and re, you know learning about a little bit about his background because pretty uh pretty amazing. Yeah, it was it's all based on an alkaline so, diet and um, alkaline electric herbs because the body is, is is electrical, so therefore we need herbs and foods that um, complement our biochemistry, um and give us nutrients, yeah. minerals. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the way you did it. Plus fasting and things like sea moss and yeah and other herbs, natural herbs. And we'll loop back in a bit, back to kind of fasting and, and, and health. Maybe just to, what brought us here, I think, initially was uh, Wim Hof. So uh, ch- changing gears slightly. Uh, yeah. Wim, if you look him up, for those that don't know him, W-I-M-H-O-F, one F maybe. Yeah. You Google him, he's known as the Iceman. Yeah. Uh, known for sort of feats in isolated matters. Yeah. <laughs> which I'll let you explain more about and then how you got onto that path of what took you to Wim Hof and, and become a trainer in a, in, in, you know, a long story in a short space of time. Yeah. So, yeah, how did that all start? And um, well, basically, first of all, Wim, Wim Hof is, is known as the Iceman. Yeah. He got that nickname uh, from the challenges and world records that he did. Uh, now, Wim Hof is a, a Dutch gentleman. Um, he's, like I said, he's got 26 world records. Um, he... Um, he basically climbed um, Everest in a pair of shorts. He ran a marathon barefoot above the polar sort of the Arctic Circle. Um, he swam under a frozen lake for the longest distance on one breath hold. He um, he was also hung by one finger uh, in the, in the freezing cold temperatures uh, for the longest time. Uh, yeah, is is this just him looking for a random cold related challenge and be like, I need to. I need to show I can do this or something because it's very crazy what, what those records you just reeled off there. Yeah, I mean, so for Wim, it was kind of, he, f- he found out about the, the breathing technique that I now teach and that he now is bringing to the world uh, through going into the cold uh, and he noticed the power of it. He noticed how great he, feel, he felt and um, he kind of, he did all these world records to kind of get Bring it attention. Out, get it out there, yeah, really. And um but he got a lot of ridicule for it, you know, he got a lot of ridicule for the things he was doing, um, and everyone just thought he was this crazy Dutch guy, um, but people didn't know the background behind it, and that the the reason he was going out and doing these things is because, um, you know, he wanted to make the world healthy as a, as a man on a mission, and his own story where he, he lost his wife through suicide, and she suffered with bipolar, and uh, left with four kids to bring up on his own, um, which he said his his kids his children um, they saved him but the cold water healed him 
uh, from okay. his from his from his issues and and things like that, and they give him the energy to look after four kids on his own and deal with the loss of his wife and things like that. So, where did you personally come to that? Obviously, you've been to Poland. Where where did that journey start for you in regard to him particularly? Oh, so for me, I I first found out about Wim Hof in two thousand and seven when he when he ran the marathon, and it was actually a friend of mine who came in with with a laptop. I was like, look at this crazy Dutch guy. He's he's just running this marathon barefoot in the above the polar circle. You know that's impossible, and and all the rest of it. So I kind of known about Wim Hof since two thousand and seven, and and kind of didn't always follow him. But there's certain stages in my life where he kind of just like there've always been kind of bad moments in my life when I was in a low point. He kind of just popped up. For some yeah. reason, yeah. Uh, now I know kind of why. But um, it wasn't until 2017 um, when um, my friend's father had got sick, um, and basically I was already on a path of learning about alkaline diet and nutrition and things like that. And um, because I was working in the shower screen factory, it was my friend's friend's father um, rang me up and asked me because um, he'd just been diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer. He um, asked me if I could get a wet room for him or uh, you know because we make uh, shower screens for the elderly and disabled uh, medicare type shower screens so we knew when he was going through the chemo route that he would need uh, a wet room so it, it, so we wouldn't have difficulty getting to the bath and whatnot so i went around to his, his house straight after work that day with the magazine for him to, to pick the screen that he wanted and the wet room that he wanted and um it was then when i started talking about an alkaline diet um and fasting because i just started doing intermittent fasting back then i had been doing it around a year so i was telling talking him about that and he was quite open-minded he was growing his own food and whatnot and things like that and um it was actually him who mentioned to me about the wim hof method he's like if you heard of this, this dutch guy called the Iceman, you know he's got uh, all these records and he can actually can control his immune system by breathing which is something i didn't know about Wim. you know i could knew he could do all these um these crazy things and regulate his body temperature and whatnot but i didn't know he could control his own immune system or his own immune system response so that night or as i was already looking into health and, and healing through diet and nutrition i thought well you know um i went home and uh, i started making my dinner my one meal of the day at the time and um and i went to put youtube on and then the first video that popped up was the joe rogan podcast so i was like okay well that's a coincidence I'll, uh, I'll give that a listen so I gave that a listen uh, and as, as I was uh, watching it I found out that it wasn't just Wim that could uh, control his own immune system but it was also 12 other, uh, well, other, everyone else that could control their immune system through the Radboud study so for me it was like okay um, maybe this is something I should look into as I'm already looking into health and, 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 and overall well-being and what was that study? Sorry, you mentioned that. The Radboud mm-hmm. study uh, was where Wim was injected with the, the basically the E. coli bacteria, and Wim managed to not get sick after 16,000 people before him took the injection, and all of them got violently sick for four or five hours with vomit and diarrhea and sweats and, and all kinds of things. And uh, Wim managed to get no symptoms whatsoever. He said it felt a little bit of a thing in his head, but nothing. Um, so they then so the doctors turn around and say, "Well, you're the superhuman. You're the you're the Ice Man. You know, you're different to everyone else." And Wim was like, "No, I'm definitely not. You know, what I can do, anyone can do." And that was Wim's belief. So um, Wim went away. They got twelve people that Wim trained, twelve people that Wim didn't train, and uh, all the twelve people that Wim didn't train. Um, well, I think well they give him four six days to train twelve people, 
and when only needed four, he came back after four days with 12 people. They all got injected with the um, endotoxin, and um, all 12 of them didn't get sick. And all the other 12 that didn't get trained by Wim all got sick. So it was validation for him. And Wim actually cried uh, when he when he found out about yeah. that because it was, you know, it was a long... Validating 30, his... Yeah, yeah. 30-year yeah, yeah. journey to see as the circus act where he goes and does all these mental stunts for people, puts his own life at risk to try and get this information out there. And now it had scientific backing. You know, and now it was proven to... So that those three... Th- those uh, That teaching is three pillars. Yeah. So maybe talk us through what those are. Okay, so you got the the first pillar, which is the breath work, um, uh, the breathing technique that um, was actually an ancient Tibetan breathing technique that Wim learned in cold hard, hard nature. Now this breathing technique that, is would that have come out of some meditation technique, yeah. I assume. So Wim was already at a young age. He went went to India and was doing yoga. He mm. learned yoga from a book and was you know t- teaching some of the yogis moves that they never even you know could they couldn't even do you know. So Wim was already into esoteric knowledge and things like that. Didn't really bother with school and just went out to to India and was already teaching yoga. He was teaching mountain climbing mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, yeah, that's. That's kind of what he was already yeah, doing. Yeah. And then by going into the cold, he's, that's where he kind of learned the breathing uh, technique that he now teaches. Um, but yeah, it was uh, originally from an ancient Tibetan breathing yeah, technique yeah. called Tumo, which translates to Inner Fire, which is the name of Wim's company. Uh, so yeah, so Wim learned that and, and decided, you know, this is what I'm, I'm going to give this to the world. Now, um, yeah, the breathing technique also changes the blood pH from being acidic to alkaline and there's so many other how quickly benefits. does that happen um within within a half an hour breathwork session we can uh-huh. we can change the blood ph and that's something we actually show in the workshops physically right. with the ph strips all oh, right okay so yeah and it's very rare that somebody stays the same or goes lower um, and does it stay constantly changed or do you have to do the the breathing every you know well uh, that's the third pillar, which is okay. the mindset and commitment. Um, so, um, but yeah, I've I've trained people now who have been keeping up with the method and, and doing it daily, and and who also like a drink and things like that. And and when they've come to my workshop in the morning after a heavy night, and they've already been practicing the method during the week, but had not done the breathing that morning, their blood pH is was a neutral rather than. Is this a hangover cure as well, by any chance? <laughs> um, not that we always uh, advertise that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, right, it, okay. it literally is. Um, it literally can get rid of your hangover. Right, right. Um, so, so, so the so, breathing technique yeah, is, is the first pillar. Yeah. Um, the second pillar is the gradual cold exposure, so we don't go and throw somebody straight into an ice bath, uh, which well, if people want to, then we will. You know, they can they can do that. But we advise to get gradual cold showers so the body adapts. But what you'll find is that the body adapts really fast. Right. Um, and what's that trying to? What's it achieving by throwing people well or, or the cold? Basically, um, in the it's, body, training, it's, it's training the vascular system, so okay. it's sending the, the the blood to the to the core because the core stays thirty seven degrees, mm-hmm. uh, core body temperature. Uh, so the hands and feet, you know, the body's intelligent; it knows what to do. Uh, so it cuts off the circulation to the hands and feet because it knows, like, right, you know, if I've got to get out of here. Uh, or yeah. if, if I'm in a cold environment, what's more important, you know, my feet and my toe, my, my toes and my fingers, or my lungs and my heart yeah. and, and, and things like that. So that's what the the body does. It it knows what to do, um, and then so it switches that off. And not only that, we're we're training the vascular system, uh, va- um, cardiovascular system to open and close. We're um, the lymphatic system once again, which doesn't run off like the heart and things like that. It's run off the contractions. So you're talking blood flow, uh, blood pressure. 
uh, things like that and flushing toxins out easier to um, yeah and just a whole uh-huh. complete workout for the for the vascular system but it's also the mindset the mindset going into so the pillar cold. three yeah which is, is pillar three but i mean going into the cold is oh, you sorry. know the cold stress uh, nobody wants to go into a cold environment so learning how to deal with the fear of the cold and going past that and going into the cold um, and learning how to regulate your breathing in that environment and allowing your body to adapt is um, is an amazing an amazing mm. thing. It's it's real deep. Um, for me, I find peace in the cold. Right now, whereas before I hated it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so for me, uh, that was. That, and that mindset point, that's just is that re- rewiring of the brain ultimately. Yeah, because you know you well, kind of you you already have that. Um, that fear, that doubt, that, that little voice in your head that tells you don't do it or you don't do this and don't do that or you're not good enough or you can't do this, you can't do that. And I think the more you go into the cold, and uh, the more you kind of subdue that, that right. little that ego, ego yeah. mind that, that yeah, tells yeah. you, you know, you can't do this and you shouldn't do that and it hates the cold and, yeah, you know, yeah. and it, if the more you kind of just let go, which is what the cold is about, it's about surrender and just letting go and to the elements and, and going in it you know and dealing with the breath and, and, and allowing the body to adapt and, and the more you go in the more your body adapts faster and it just yeah. becomes nice it becomes it becomes quite addictive <laughs> um so yeah so that's and that, and that, yeah and then the third pillar being the mindset yeah the third pillar pillar which is like the cornerstone one which is the one that i try and instill in a lot of people is the, you know the commitment and the mindset to do it and have that courage to do it and the commitment to carry on doing it habit yeah the habit yeah creating that habit of doing it because it was like i said if um women can get injected with a a coli bacteria and get no symptoms you know this is gonna keep you well and it is it's just life-changing i've seen it on so many occasions now change change so many people's lives uh, people who've been depressed suicidal things like that um and yeah it's literally changed the life um i've seen it many times in poland and then also in, in spain when i was there and yeah it's it's just it's, it's hard to put into words. <laughs> so, so, for, so I suppose in regard to that comment about life changing and your journey in that, you become aware of it. Where, where was the trigger to right? I need to go 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 to Poland and start on the course. Uh, well, it was actually um, so Big Steve, uh, my friend's father. He um, he never got back to me about the shower screen. So I was like, okay, um, you know, I've not heard anything back, and I just bumped into his uh, stepson walking the dog down the road. And uh, it was then I, you know, I said, "Oh, listen, I've not heard back from uh, from Big Steve about the the wet room that he wanted." Uh, is Steve four foot six by any chance? Um, or is he six foot two? I don't know. His sons, his oh, sons right. called Steve as well. All oh, so, right, so, so that's so, just yeah. the distinguished between them. It's funny because I'm Ian and my father's Ian, so you know, oh, right. I'm little, which one's big? I, I, I used to be Ian. little Ian. No, oh, right. I'm a bit taller than my dad now, so oh, I right. think. Uh, sorry, Dad. Big Ian. So I'm now technically Big Ian, but he'll always be Big Ian. So yeah, so so Steve, um, so I bumped into his stepson going down the road, and he informed me that uh, the, the cancer had spread from his lungs to his brain, and he was over in Liverpool, which is why I'd not heard back from him. So for me, that was quite um, traumatizing in a way, and I was like, okay, well he's told me about Wim Hof, and you know I've got to go and find out if it works then to try and help him, you know, and and the more I, I delved down the whole healing process and and making myself feel well, the more I noticed everyone else around me was was sick. So I went home that day and I looked up the, the expedition in Poland, uh, which was um, a, a week-long expedition. And um, it was like £2,000. 
um, but I had a lot of stuff going on in my own life at the time that kind of, you know, I wanted to go to Honduras and, and learn about herbs. Uh, that was my main my, my main priority because uh, I was trying to tell a lot of people about that and they didn't want to listen. So I was like, well, I'm going to go out there then. I'm going to go to Honduras, which is the murder capital of the world, and go out there and be like, this is what I need to learn. But obviously circumstances changed and, and what happened was staying. Uh, and at the time I had a family member who uh, tried to commit suicide twice in, in eight days. Um, and then also we had other th- issues going on. A, a couple of friends of mine in the factory, they just lost a father from cancer. Oh, and it was a, a very short battle. It was like three months, I think, before he got diagnosed and ended up uh, losing his life. Um, so for me, I, I decided, right, okay, I want to go to Poland. But when I went to book the trip, it was fully booked. So I was like, all oh, right, I'll, I'll email the team at Inner Fire. And um, it was actually Wim's son, Michael, who came back to me and was like, uh, yeah, we've got six people in the waiting list before you for a cancellation. If, um, you know, if it happens, we'll let you know. So then, like, obviously, things happened. And it was literally two weeks before the expedition. And, and my family member tried to commit suicide twice in eight days. And, and uh, I had everything else going on with my friends and uh, dealing with the loss of the father in the factory. And um, that day, my mum my was um, not in the right mindset to go up and see my sister. So I went up and seen her. And she was sat there with a smile on, on her face and things like that. So for me, it was quite... My emotions were kind of up and down because I was kind of angry, but happy that she was still alive and things like that. So it was like, okay, uh, I rang in work and said, listen, I'm not coming back to work today. You know, the first time I went up and seen her, um, I went back to work, carried on my day, but this time I was like, I can't come back today. I'm, I just need to go home. And, and I actually started doing the, the Wim Hof method already. For some reason, I always kind of believed I would end up in Poland. So when the, 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 the expedition was fully booked, I started doing the 10-week course. So for me, I went home. Right, I'm gonna go do some breathing and kind of unwind, and and as I was at the end of the breathing, I was in kind of a meditative state, and uh, I got an email through, and as I got the email through, it's kind of it was Wim Sun saying, "Listen, there's been a cancellation. Do you still want to come to Poland?" And with the week and the the months that I'd had, it was like, "Okay, oh, yeah. I'm going. Yeah, mm. you know that nothing's gonna stop me." So. Uh, still thinking about money in my head. I, I ran downstairs excited about, you know, going to potentially going to Poland. Uh, and then I got the got to the bottom of the stairs and the gas bill was there, uh, the dreaded gas bill. So I was like, oh, that's the last thing I need. So I um, I basically opened up the gas bill and I'd have been overpaying my gas for the year. So it was like, okay, so I'm getting a, th- uh, it turns out I was getting a £350 rebate. So uh, I went down to my mum's to use their computer to put the flights and when I went to put the flights, the flights were the same price as, as, as the rebate. So I was like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be going. Yeah. Um, now, on, uh, this was on the Friday. And then on the Saturday, I had my, uh, my friend who passed away, um, Billy Mockton. Uh, we had his darts, annual darts night on the Saturday. And because my emotions were uh, all over the place because what was going on, I got extra drunk that night and uh, kind of slept in on the Monday. And I'd usually be one of the first in the factory at like half six in the morning. Um, first aid train and things like that. Um, but luckily for me, um, on the way in, uh, I slept in that morning because when I was on the way into work, I got a phone call saying that one of the stormen had hung himself in the factory. So when I got to work, there was actually an ambulance there, um, which was obviously devastating as well. Um, so when when I actually got to the factory, it's the first time you know the the, the business um, they got um, a counselor in. First time I ever spoke to a counselor, and I wasn't going to go and speak to one. But a few people in the factory said, No, just go, just go and give it a go. 
So I was like, okay. So when I finally got into to speak with her and uh, I basically um, told her everything I had going on, she couldn't believe how well I was actually doing and coping with everything. And um, that's what comes out of me listening with mm-hmm. these kind of you know, surrounded by trauma, whatever yeah, the right word is. And, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, suicide and, and all the rest of it. But you know, that was the the first time I um I kind of was able to speak to somebody. And obviously I had the trip to Poland booked, but I didn't actually have any holidays <laughs> left for work. So sorry, DLP. But um, so yeah, I um, I spoke with the counsellor and I told her about the trip and I told her, you know, we're like, you're not allowed to say anything to anyone. Oh, yeah, she's like, no. So I told her about it and she thought I was as crazy as um, as my, my best friend and my mum and dad because they were the only ones I could tell because I did actually take the time off work to get to Poland sick. Yeah. Right, so I took sick leave, which work really didn't mind with everything that was kind of yeah, going yeah, on yeah. And, and whatnot. So, so for me, that was you know, that, that's what pushed me to Poland. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, that nerves, excitement, bit of both. Yeah, a bit of everything, a bit of everything, and and I was going there to kind of to to help others. You know, I was going there to see if this could work for my friend, my friend's father, and take it back, and and some family members that I knew were struggling that it might help with, and. Um, and yeah, when I got to Poland, I realised it was actually me that needed needed the healing. It was me that needed that experience. Um, Why did you say that? Because I was always quite a closed off person. I oh. was always kind of reserved and quite quiet and, and things like that. And when I went to Poland, it would kind of help me open up and let go of some of the stuff that I had. And, right. And, and not only that, it's kind of, I found a real peace in the cold, you know, um, I said the, the first time I went to the cold, my toes were in that much agony in Poland. It was like, oh God! What's that what, piece? What, what if I let myself in for? Well, the piece isn't just still in a from life. from. No, sorry. I mean, in in your personal sense of peace from what for you? Oh, see, for me, I had I was I was the manager in a in a department in in a factory. I had like ten to twelve lads working underneath me, and that was a stressful environment. Uh, everything I had going on. Yeah, all my this, family yeah, and yeah. all the other stuff, and my friends' fathers and and, and things like that. And so, is that piece know, for you in that scenario? Not acceptance, but uh, ex- trying to explain how that piece then. It's like a letting go, like a sur- surrender. And mm. for me, I'd, I kind of lost my fear of death, and um, that was never more evident. Kind of on the mountain in Poland, it was kind of I was just completely at peace. There was no thoughts, you know. I mean, they talk about um, deep meditation and things like that, and I think that was that's what. Wim's kind of created as like a shortcut to a deep meditative state. So when I was up on the mountain um, and we actually was caught in a snowstorm, I, I was I felt great. You know, okay. for me I was. So I know some people might have been struggling, but you know I I felt really good, um, and it was just finally you know peace of mind, and that's what I kind of get from the cold now is the silence, isn't it, of the mind and that little break. And, and they teach you obviously through that week the, the, those three pillars you talked about there yeah. and obviously whims around constantly uh yeah how did you you know were you in awe of him or you know how well, did you get told when you spend time with him well uh, when we got there i didn't even know because obviously i was going last minute and you know i didn't even know what it's going to be about i didn't even know if Wim was going to be there um so for me when he turned up on the first night uh, there, were the, there was a group of 60 people and 40 people were staying in the hotel and 20 people got picked to stay in um, in Wim's house from the Vice documentary. And for some reason, when I was sat there again, I thought, I'm going to be one of those 20 that gets picked in the house. For some reason, I don't know why, and, and I was. And uh, I was so grateful for that because there was a group of 20 of us that got to stay in the house and then we got a real good bond between us. 
Um, but as far as me and Wim concerned, because there was that many people there, you, you know, you don't really get that much of an opportunity to spend real time with Wim. So, um, so yeah, after, after the, um, on the day before the mountain, as Wim came in and uh, he basically was like, right guys, we're in the hotel. And he's like, take your clothes off, we're going outside, we're going to do some snogger in the snow. So, we all snow went. yoga I snow assume. yoga yeah, yeah snow yoga so, so, so we did that we did a few yoga moves out in the snow and whatnot and then he sat us all down in a circle and he basically gives an inspirational speech saying right guys there's a snowstorm coming in you're going to be you're going to be going up the mountain tomorrow uh, and yeah you, you're all ready for it i've got great belief in you and he just instills this, this belief in you you know he's got more energy than anyone i've ever met at 60 years old um and yeah, it was it was just amazing. So the, the next day, you know, oh, that that night after we had that speech, we sat down at the table, and, and my friend Emma, Estrella, she's uh, one of the instructors. She's just training to be an instructor at the time, and she just out of sixty people just came over and sat down in front of me, and it's the first just started asking me questions, and it's the first time that I kind of ever opened up to someone about all the stuff that I had going back home. Obviously, I didn't even mention some of the stuff I, I talked with with Emma to the counselor, you know. And then that kind of really let me let go of some stuff. Yeah, and then yeah. on the mountain is when I found real right. peace. And even though we had to turn around because we got caught in the snowstorm, yeah, we had yeah. to take shelter in like an abandoned uh, ski slope, uh, ski lift building and put our clothes back on and head down. Um, but it was after that night then um, when we were sat in the sauna, uh, I kind of... Um, no, so actually that night we, we came back down and, and we were kind of celebrating in the, in the hotel and it's the first time i had a drink since i was there you know because i was like no i'm not having a drink while i'm here there was a bar there and some people were in it uh during the night of the week but then i thought well, you know what i've just done the mountain and, and everything I'm, I'm gonna have a drink so i had finished my food early and i started having a, a, a few red wines and Wim was across the other side of the room playing his crazy monkey song i don't know if you've heard it mm. but he was playing the song and, and for me i was like you know what i um I need to. Um, I want to. I want to hear what he's saying in his song. I, I you know, I want to hear the lyrics because in my darkest times, and I'm not a great guitar player, but you know, in some of my darkest times, I um, I um, played my guitar, and um, and yeah, I'd just say whatever was on my mind to let it off my chest. That would be my way of getting things off. So I went up to Winter to, to find out what he was playing in his song, and I sat next to him, and asked him, and he started playing his crazy monkey song in my ear, singing the lyrics, and at the end of it, he's like music's like meditation man it, it connects with the soul i was like okay yeah i said that's kind of why i like to play it. i kind of drift off into my my own place and he looked at me and he's like you play i was like no no you know no confidence or anything like that i was like i can't no i can't play and when just gives me this guitar and he's like yeah play play man so i was like right okay well what i'm gonna play so the only the only thing i could think about playing was one of my own songs that i only played to my best friend in my kitchen <laughs> you know i made up about stuff i had going on so I, I played the song and uh, and then Wim was sat there and he, he kind of liked it and then um, I was like right um, I was getting a dry mouth then because we kind of passing the guitar back and forth and I was just making up stuff he was making up stuff and uh, I was like Wim do you want to do you want another drink uh, I'll go and get you a drink he's like no no you stay there you know you can have half of my pint that's why I was just there sharing a pint with Wim and I was playing the guitar with my eyes closed because that's what I tend to do. Um, and then before I knew it, there was like a group of people sat around, kind of all listening, and turned into a bit of a party. No. Um, so that night, um, once that night finished, we went up to, I walked back up to Wim's house from the hotel, 
with some of the other the lads we were staying there and I even had to be kept the pint glass and I was right. sad but came back with a with a pint glass that was sharing with Wim to the house and the lads were then putting like a few drinks and whatnot in it for me, a few shots and stuff that we were having. We had a bit of a party that night to celebrate. And um and then the next day we uh, were going to do the waterfall. Uh, the one that we I think I might have mentioned it earlier on. Yeah. I got in and it was the coldest water I've ever been in my life. And we were doing the jump. Uh, it's like a 10 foot jump into this little area and the waterfall and it's like pointing out it saying hey, you've got to jump in there so you know out of a group of, of 60 we kind of got warm beforehand like listen half the people who did this in the last expedition that some of them got injured so it's up to you whether you want to do it or not but I thought you know I'm coming all this way I'm, I'm climbing this mountain in my shorts yeah. um, you know I'm definitely doing the waterfall uh, you know I don't care but then uh, as I was walking up that's when uh, Wim kind of spotted me and he was like Ian, had a great night with you last night, man. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your phone number and your email address. I'm gonna be in contact with you. And I was like, right, okay. Maybe, maybe he's just, he's just saying that, you know. It's probably something he says to everyone. So, um, so that, so we went up. We did the waterfall. We jumped in, and then that night when we got back to the, to the house to, to kind of, you know, go and um, get ready for the, the meal or the last meal of the, the expedition of the week. Um, it's when uh, a couple of the lads we were sat in the sauna and then a couple of lads kind of was asking me about what had been going on and what brought me to the Wim Hof method and whatnot and I kind of broke down in the in the sauna it's the first time I opened up to any strangers about what was going on apart from Emma and um, and I mentioned that I'd, I was in there actually there in Poland in secret that nobody really knew about that I was here and then and basically that I had a book with me that I wanted to get signed for Big Steve and I, I told them, you know, would you think I should bother women asking him? And they're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And if it was, if it ever wouldn't have uh, mentioned it to them in the sauna, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to go up and speak with women to, to get him to sign the book and whatnot. But um, as we were at the meal that night in the hotel, um, one of them was like, now's a great opportunity. Go up and speak to women and ask him. And as I did, I went up and said, Wim, well, would you mind signing this book? And Wim, being the man he is, was like, I'd be, I'd be, um, I'd be not, not annoyed, but I'd be, um, I'd be upset if you didn't ask me to yeah, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, so we wrote this big note to Big Steve in, in the book. And uh, that was when he was like, right, here's, here's my phone, put your email address in it and your phone number, oh, wow. and I'm going to be in contact yeah. type of thing. So I was like, okay, so that's what I did. And, um, you know, it was never my intention to be an instructor uh, to teach this. Um, it was that night when I sat there, I said to him, you know, um, he mentioned about training others with the method and I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't have any confidence and I had, you know, that fear, that doubt. And even after that week, I didn't think I'd have the ability to stand up in front of people and talk or anything like that. So I thought I'd be no good at teaching the Wim Hof method. But we're after speaking with Wim and he was like, no, you know, I think you should yeah, try and teach people, other people this. So I was like, okay. And um, so after that life-changing week in Poland, yeah, yeah. I, um, I came back and... and back into the factory and back um, doing my job and whatnot which was a bit of a and that's where you've been for the week <laughs> yeah a bit back you in town or anything, yeah. I kind of told a couple of people you know uh, what I mean that was obviously it was so life changing and um, and then yeah so um, I then came back and, and I had in my head okay I already want to go to Honduras to, to Dr. Sebi's healing village and um, and then basically, uh, that's when I decided, okay, I wanted to go traveling anyway. Yeah. And then Honduras was part of those, uh, those, uh, my path. Um, but then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to start on, on the path of the Wim Hof method. So I basically worked for three months um, 
Well, I went away for Christmas at first, which was a nice break because I had three days in. That's why I had no holidays uh-huh. left because it was already going away. So, so I went off to, to America for three weeks uh, to see a family member, and which was amazing. It's just what I needed uh, after that experience. Yeah. Um, I then applied for the Wim Hof Academy, uh, which I got accepted to. Uh, and then basically after three months, I think it was in March, I left then to go traveling. And the first stop was... The, um, Spain at my uncle's, and then after that, it was to the Netherlands and Stru to do my instructor training. Okay, yeah. I met with Wim again, but because obviously um, I was speaking to Wim and I had nowhere to go, I was traveling, and it worked out a hell of a lot cheaper to travel like three days earlier to to the Netherlands. Wim was like, "Oh yeah, just you know, come and stay at my place, and you know, and then stay here with me." What? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Right, okay." So that's what I did. I, I stayed there for it should have been two days. I should have been there, but it ended up being a week. Uh-huh. And um, I've done a lot of gardening as, as a as a youngster with my dad, and um, yeah, Wim was just, oh, do you mind helping out around the ground? So I just made the grounds really lovely uh-huh. for, for the rest of the instructors that yeah, were coming, yeah. and I didn't realise there was a, um, a, there was two lots of instructor training. There was fifty people for two days, and then another fifty people for two days. So Wim was like, you know, nah, you've made the grounds look really great. You know, you can stay for the whole week. All right. So I was like, right, okay, <laughs> getting there type of thing. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm away from home. You know, I've left a lot behind. And then yeah, now, yeah. you know, Wim's kind of taking me in, which is testament to the guy he is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I was showing some of the instructors around at the facility and, and the place and where everything was. I, I was tidying up the grounds and filling the ice baths and the hot tubs and things like that. And you're just kind of working there, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I got to spend quite a bit of yeah, time yeah, with Wim. Sure, yeah. uh, it was actually my 33rd birthday right. when I was leaving on the Monday and, and Wim gave us a lift to the train station and, and whatnot. Right, and, right. and, yeah, and then after that I went to the summer expedition, which they run in, in Spain up in the Pyrenees. So I spent another week okay. there doing that. And that's where I, kind of, I was already studying to be an instructor but you know, I was looking at it from an outside perspective. I was seeing these new people come to, to the method and I was seeing how life changing it was over three days, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like from the start of when I seen them arrive to when I seen them finished, it was completely different people. It was it was it was amazing yeah, to yeah. see. Um, and was a thought process then to come back and teach what was Yeah, so I'd already done my instructor training in, in the Netherlands, yeah. so I'd already started that and, and I had to kind of do all my studying and whatnot and finalize it in Poland again for the right. second time uh, in Poland in, in the December. But before that, I actually headed off to Honduras. And oh, right, I, okay. um, yeah, against all the wishes of kind of my family members, I had my mum crying in the car. So, you know, she knew uh-huh. it was a dangerous place yeah. trying for me not to go. But I just knew I had to go no matter what. I had to go there and I had to learn and I had to find the village. I didn't even know where the village was. You know, right. I just knew a, a name of a a close place that was in the vicinity and I thought well I'm going to go to a hotel near there and rock up there and then try and get to the village and do many people go to the village is it kind of a bit of a mecca for people going um, there's a few people from yeah from from different places the one person from Manchester that I met there there was, right. um, there was, a, there was a few people I think it's the final straw for people I think when they finally you know uh, tried everything else they kind of go to the village and yeah. hope that this is going to help them so you know, I think I was the first and only person from the Isle of Man to go there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, uh, I ended up spending a week at the village. I ended up taking all the herbs and the right. compounds, and I was doing a bit of fasting at the time. And um, they have the thermal waters that you go in. It's volcanic right. waters that has a, a pH of 9.8 on the, uh, on the alkaline side. Right. 
um, which is amazing for healing. They also have natural saunas and stuff there, and and all kinds of amazing things. And and the so they got is it is it is it kind of structured for let's call them outsiders coming in. So I don't know. Assume you don't pay to go there. Just rock up to the village and go. Well, I did. I All mean, right. a lot of other people <laughs> like come and they, uh, and they, you know, book in and whatnot. Whereas I just turn up, thinking that hopefully they'll have room for me, which they actually didn't. Uh, so I, uh, I had to stay in a hotel down the road, which was like a, like a five ten minute uh, ride down the road on a little tuk tuk. Right. I got picked up every morning, and, but you know, it's the. It was quite an intimidating place, and then before I went there, I was actually told to leave my guitar behind. Okay. I, in Poland, the first trip to Poland, I, a guy after I played that night with women, I told him what my plan was to go traveling and go to this healing village. He actually gave me a guitar. Oh this right, guy there okay. was just like, I'm not going to take it home with me. You keep it. I want you to take it traveling with you. Uh-huh. So that's what I did. So it was very important for me to take this uh-huh. guitar. But a, a, a friend of mine who was dropping me off the airport basically said, you know, listen, leave the guitar because you'll be marked as soon as you get off the plane. Oh right. So I was like, okay, and I was grateful for that at first because um, it was quite intimidating. You know, I was the only kind of uh, bright blonde hair at the time, yeah, yeah. kind of past my ears, and you know, um, and because of my skin color, it was the first yeah. time I ever felt that um, kind of. Yeah, you can maybe feel vulnerable, maybe or vulnerable yeah. or like yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was just different, you know, yeah, I was yeah. standing out, you know, and, yeah. and things like that. And not that I've seen any violence or anything like that. It was just, you know, it, quite intimidating, yeah, yeah. you know. And and, and me, I've, I've had a, a black friend of mine who's from since the age of 16 and, and through my whole life, really, was growing up in the UK. So, you know, and I always seen him when go on nights out, people would be staring at him and he'd kind of get a bit dinged about it, you know, uh, not annoyed, but, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. irritating him. And it's the first time I ever felt the opposite end of that scale, so I kind of looked at it like that. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah I can yeah. kind of see where can it's relate. from. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It's, been a, it's been a standout. Yeah, yeah. But when I got to the village, you know, everyone was so welcoming. I was meeting, like, uh, I met a 72-year-old woman called Gwendolyn and uh, a lady called Pat, who kind of looks after Dr. Sebi's legacy and makes sure that nobody comes in to do anything they shouldn't be and whatnot and yeah, really yeah. takes care of the village. And, and Gwendolyn, she was... She'd done like a forty-two day fast, and Pat before they did a forty-two day pass, a fast doing using all the herbs and the medicines and things like that, and yeah, it was, it yeah. was a great place to be. So, um, so yeah, and, and experience that. So, so I want to loop back, maybe in a little bit back to then bringing certainly way more from what you do now and the the, the work there. And yeah. Touch on, I I went to the mindfulness as I said at the start. Yeah. We'll perhaps just cover a load of other subjects before yeah. or before that, and then we'll loop back to, to what you're doing now. So yeah. let's uh, let's chat about fasting first. Yeah. So you know that comes in many formats, yeah. uh, from daily fasts for for a period of hours to to lengthy fasts. Yeah. Your experience of how that benefits one you and can benefit others. What's your thoughts um, on it? Yeah, I'm a great believer in fasting. Um, it's something I've been doing now I think since 2015 or 16 um, and I started off at first you know because I used to when I was training and, and things like that I was in pretty good shape my diet was pretty good but my body had kind of given up so for me I um, so I, yeah, I started with the fasting whereas I used to eat six little meals a day as now um, you know now I eat one meal a day and I started off by pushing my breakfast from seven o'clock in the morning to then eight to then nine and, and whatnot and at the first two weeks were really really tough um, because your body's going on kind of a cleansing um, journey 
and um, what happens is you know you might have aches and pains and things like that where some of the toxins are, are kind of finally getting out of the body mm. so sometimes with a healing um a healing journey you might get sick before you get better so for me that was kind of what was happening but then you know after the after like a month it was like i've had so much more energy yeah right. and my body was feeling a lot more cleansed um yeah it was just and everything behind the the research of, of fasting made sense to me yeah, it, yeah. Just, it just made sense like when we when we go to sleep at night uh, our body uh, starts to cre- create human growth hormone or hgh so then when we abstain from eating in the morning uh, that human growth hormone carries on to throughout the day you know so the, the body's healing itself and as soon as we go into eating food um basically our, our body's then going into digesting food which takes up energy yeah yeah you know and kind of stops the human growth hormone and goes into digesting and things like that so so for me it's like okay well as i'm using my body as a as an own ex my own experiment let's be willing to try it first and then decide whether it works for me or whether it doesn't so. yeah it goes back to it's an early conversation can't quite remember now it was on or off yeah. where the, the body's uh the body in itself without our mind you know the body knows what it's doing the body knows how you know you get a cut on your finger it knows how to heal itself yeah. it, know, it knows what it's doing so why why isn't that meant you know why don't we have that general mentality of our body overriding knows is far more intelligent than we are yeah isn't it so let it do its thing yeah listen to the body what the body does is heal itself you know and what's the first thing we get taught (laughs) you know when we get sick as a youngster it's like you know you you don't want to eat you know what's the you know you're like you're like oh you know i don't feel like eating and then what's your parents are like oh you need to eat some soup to keep your strength up yeah Yeah, here's your soup and here's this you know you you need to keep your strength up when if you just listen to your body and your body's going no don't need to eat right now i don't need to be digesting food when i'm trying to deal with whatever i've got else going on you know yeah. trying to heal itself so if we start eating throwing food in there you know you, you're delaying the, the healing process of the body so you're actually going against what your body says but listening to your parents or whoever yeah, yeah. kind of knows better it's that inf- infl- in, you know inflammation isn't your body's like you say using it when you feed it it's using energy and yeah. then getting inflamed to process that and I, I've, I've never gone as far as the one meal a day. Yeah. Uh, but I, I certainly noticed that doing fast of 16 hours, which yeah. in reality is n- no no time at all, really. Yeah. And we were kind of laughing before we came on air about the word breakfast and where it actually comes from, which yeah. is breaking the fast, yeah, which fast. is, is yeah. long lost to, you think breakfast, you know, most people's brain goes, oh, eight o'clock in the morning, well, that's what breakfast is. But it's yeah. not, what the word stands for is breaking a fast. Yeah, so break fast. So, uh, you know, and, and they'll tell you a half truth that, you know, the breakfast is the most in, important yeah, of the yeah. day, which is, yeah, it's, it's, that's true. But, you know, you don't have to have your break fast. You don't break your fast. You yeah, don't have yeah. to do it first thing in the morning. You can do it later on in the day or you know and then when you break your fast you know, the, you know they say it's the most important meal of the day well it is because you should be having something that your body can digest um, quite easily so like water-based fruits like melons and things like that have high water content pears you know f- uh, fruits with seeds uh, you know because fruits without seeds have been genetically modified or tampered with by man um, just like the orange carrot yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, we talked about yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, when I first started learning about Dr. Sebi and healing and fasting and things like that, I had to kind of have that cognitive dissonance that told me, yeah, oh, this is crazy, you know, you can't believe that. But the more I kind of looked into it, it's like, okay, th- this guy's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. The fact that he proved it in the court of law, um, which, you know, is another great thing about the Wim Hof method and, and the connection between Dr. Sebi is he used natural alkaline herbs um, and, um, 
which creates an alkaline environment in the body, whereas Wim Hof method is changing the blood pH from being acidic to alkaline via breath work. So they both kind of tie in really well. And yeah, I think yeah. when you combine the both, you're going to get a real, really uh, good healing. Um, just process. generally day to day, when you're, you're f- what is your general fasting rule? Um, I don't really have a rule. Do you know? I don't, yeah, I don't set any rules. So, uh, sometimes I'll have breakfast, you know, right. so like... Well, obviously, but sometimes I'll have uh, you know breakfast in the morning. Uh, sometimes if a friend offers me breakfast or whatnot, and and uh, so I'll have breakfast with them. But then I won't really eat much after that. Right. Um. But I tend to do roughly around twenty hours a day. Right. Uh, and and my body's kind of stabilized. It's it's no natural weight. I don't really get you know any bigger because I've not really been training at the minute. But uh, I don't lose. I don't get too skinny or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and when I was in Spain. Um, when I started my traveling journey, where that's the first place I went to, um, I actually wanted to try out uh, doing um, a, a longer um, period of fasting. So I actually uh, set my mindset with doing 12 days. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's so just water for 12 days. Just water for 12 days. Well, I actually was using uh, lime juice. So I was getting real limes, squeezing them fresh, and just putting some limes in with some root ginger and just soaking that in some water and just having that in Spain. Um, so yeah, that's and twelve days was twelve days. Yeah, so as you know, again, if you don't know much about fasting or or any of that, you, you just like someone who hasn't eaten for twelve days, you expect to be on your knees, yeah. crawling across the floor, See, or well, in a dark room crying. Yeah, yeah. pretty much what I was going to be asking. So well, on the first day, I was actually because I was staying at my uncle's apartment. I, I started doing all his um, his gardening for him on the first day. The second day, I actually climbed a mountain in right. Mijas. Uh, which I uh, started climbing the mountain and I thought, oh, it's not, not too bad. And I thought there was a mountain behind. So when I got to one ridge, I was like, oh. okay. And then I got to the next ridge and I was like, okay. So I think I'm on the mountain that I thought was behind. <laughs> so like, it took me like two and a half hours or three hours nearly to climb to the top of this mountain. And then uh, then a long slog on the way back down. But I, f- I felt great, you know, um, after that was after the second day and the third day I was I was out doing the garden again and cleaning up my uncle's place um, and my mum being a, a trainer in the medical industry she was kind of sending me text messages about orthorexia and eating disorders and things like that where I was trying to explain to her no I'm doing this for health and to see what how my body adapts and whatnot and to prove a point I actually went down on I think it was the eighth day and did like 50 push-ups uh-huh. non-stop just 50 push-ups straight off and uh, that kind of <laughs> made her understand the thing a little bit. It kind of shocked her, but uh, I felt strong. I felt light. I felt strong. I felt good. And, um, that, was, and that was throughout the whole time. Your, your energy levels fine. Nothing. No kind of craving and a sense for not food. Yeah, food. Like, I know. Like even if I don't fast yeah. completely, so if I'm not eating for let's say eight hours, suddenly your mind starts going, "Oh, we've not had a bit of food here. You're a bit hungry." Yeah. That's me for an, less than a day. Yeah. Day, let's say three for you. Yeah. Is your body not just suddenly like. See. Is that not, I like the mindset? I guess. And the, yeah, it was the mindset of the fact that I said I was going to do it, and I, before I even quit my job and was going traveling, I, I'd already done like a three-day fast and a five-day fast, um, and so I kind of and I was already kind of cleansed my body, so it was kind of you know it wasn't going through that that here that healing crisis like you can do when you first start fasting. So I kind of already been messing around with with it for for a while so i was kind of prepared for it yeah but um one, but yeah, of, one of the things i noticed i think when i started doing a bit more fasting or fasting regularly was that you mentioned there Matt, about 
your mind thinks you're hungry. Mm, yeah. When if you actually kind of focus on your belly and is my belly screaming, you know, or you got that belly hunger and the reality is you don't, you know, you never really get it. It's the mind thinks you because I said habit that you eat at this time, eat at this time, eat at this time. It's the habit. That's, yeah. that's the just hardest part. Breaking that yeah. habit. Yeah. 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 Like anything smoking, anything. It's just yeah. breaking that habit. It's the habit of, of eating, you know, like what I found was when I first started doing it, I mean, first of all, like, um, most of the time we associate hunger with actual thirst so most of the time we're actually thirsty rather than hungry um, so but when I first started with the fasting I, I you know I'd find myself going to the fridge still and open yeah, the yeah. fridge door and look yeah, and it's yeah. like I'm not it's eating what are you yeah, doing yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. type of thing so that I mean the first three days is, is the most difficult then after that I think the body's got used to the fact that you know I'm not eating now I'm going to start burning fat for energy and, yeah, and, and whatnot. Uh, what I understand is the body adapt, again the body knows how to survive so it goes and looks for broken cells and goes right I'm going to turn this into fuel and use this as fuel because yeah, so you ain't feeding me yeah, I'll find other ways anything that's in the body that just doesn't, doesn't need to be in there yeah, so like you know, what, what's it going to attack first is it going to start getting rid of toxins and, and things in the fat cells so it gets stored in the fat cells or is it going to start taking uh, things out of the lungs or the heart or things like that so it's going to go after the rubbish first yeah you know, yeah it's yeah. like a cleanse you yeah, know, yeah, yeah um but yeah you know we asked about the you know the cravings or whatnot it was actually so i was with my mum for the first few days uh and i think it was the first nine ten days in um in spain and then my father arrived and uh, my father likes to drink and he likes his barbecues and whatnot. <laughs> so, right. so no, yeah. And, and I mean, I probably did overdid it. I probably did too much uh, uh, while I was fasting because I, you know, I didn't stop. You know, I was eating after I think I was out running and exercising and everything because I felt that, that energetic. And uh, by the 11th day, I was kind of getting, you know, and, and, and I was getting up in the night and I was getting a little bit dizzy, you know, feeling a bit lightheaded and whatnot. But I had done a lot. And, and, and that was another thing that I noticed was sleep. I was I was I was awake after four hours sleep and I was wide awake ready oh, for the right. day so my okay. body didn't need to sleep as much because yeah, right. he didn't need to repair as much which was amazing. But then my dad when he started like he started on the barbecue with the steaks and I hadn't meat, eaten meat for years and I never felt like eating meat no, yeah. <laughs> since then since I stopped. But my dad was outside and like I where my balcony is the barbecue was right below oh, it. So thanks, like, Dad. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I I'm definitely up for some food in the next couple of days. So. That's a, but I broke it with some blueberries and some melons and things right. like that, and which was actually quite hard to eat because you know I'd gone that long without yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and you you mentioned sleep there. If you if you researched, looked into much in regard to sleep. Um, well, yourself, I, I know that generally. sleep is um, you know good quality sleep, like really good quality sleep is uh, essential for healing yeah, yeah. and things like that. Um, you know. With, I think it's the melatonin and things like yeah, that, yeah, and, yeah. And blue light from your phone, yeah, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, I was listening to a podcast, uh, a Joe Rogan one with a, a doctor, and he was, he was a sleep specialist. But yeah, really interesting podcast about the importance of sleep, uh, and yeah, REM sleep. And yeah. The, uh, you use it. You talked about a scenario, and and it's true. Well, even if you have a have a load of drink and you get in at midnight and still get eight hours sleep you wake up the next day you felt like you haven't slept and that's yeah. ultimately because you haven't been in that REM sleep yeah so you've kind of you've just been resting really not sleeping uh but he talked about how it shows how important it is to humans that how important sleep is because as a species we we you know if we lived on well in as, as cavemen if we were sleeps are when we're when we could be attacked yeah. so sleep is the the last thing we need ultimately as, as a human we should be alert and awake all the time for predators. The fact we need sleep is uh, 
is our body saying that it that it needs that needs that rest but over so many millions of years we still haven't adapted to not need sleep so that shows how important sleep is to us even though it's against our nature because we should be alert and awake for mm. being attacked yeah I mean, so uh, we still need to we need to still need to regenerate you yeah, know, yeah. Like that. And for me obviously i was sun gazing as well at the time right. which we spoke about before obviously we came on came on air yeah but um which would that help massively i think so talk a bit um, through that what that is so basically sun gazing is um you can stare at the sun for the first hour in the morning before the UV uh, ultraviolet spectrum comes in and also the last hour at night. But you have to, what you have to do is you kind of build it up 10 seconds. Uh, so your first day, 10 seconds, second day, 20 seconds. And um, it, depending on it, I suppose it doesn't matter whether you do first thing in the morning as the sunrise or last thing at night. Um, I was doing last thing at night in Spain and, and yeah, and the energy I felt from that was was amazing. I was right. I was staring half an hour at the sun right. as it was just going down over the mountain, and yeah, it's like I, I said mentioned before, like I was looking at my phone the next morning. It's like everything was kind of in HD. Right. You know, it was really crisp and clear. But I think that really helped with the fasting and with the energy levels and things like that. But um, it was some also some other things. So like I was waking up in the night, you know, wide awake, so I'd go to bed at whatever time and I'd be awake at like four in the morning. But then there was all kinds of emotions and stuff coming up. Like one morning I woke up and I had tears in my eyes and I was like having all kinds of right. things going on, but I just knew it was part of that kind of process yeah, of yeah. letting some of this stuff go and these toxins that have stored up in, in the body. And they like said, the body's intelligent, it knows what to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what's the, uh, the, the, you know, speak to anyone, they say stare at the sun, you go blind. <laughs> so obviously it's, a, it's a, something like you say that needs to be built. What's the benefit, what's the benefit or the um, Well, I, there's some stories on online where people have actually healed their eyesight by actually sun gazing. Um, and the, what they say is that you can build it up over, over a, a like, um, a year or a nine month period where you build up to where you more or less do the whole hour and then once you've done that then you can um, connect with the earth so you get the you connect with the sun on the last day and you you go barefoot into either the sand or, or the earth and um, and yeah and can make that connection and then after that you basically can recharge and revitalize the body right. on, a, on, a, on a different level you know because mm-hmm. the sun gives life to everything on the planet you know nothing lives without the sun so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and we're connected to that as much as we are the earth you know yeah. mother earth and, and the sun so yeah. how, how did you come across that because again it's the first kind of just on my journey of just, yeah yeah just on my journey of learning about different things and having the willingness and open-mindedness to to try yeah, yeah. things as well as you know not just just read about it and think oh this might work it might not or completely brush it off straight away without saying that's crazy talk you know i had a, an open mindset where i was like okay well you know someone's told me something take some information have the willingness to try it myself yeah. see if it works and see that if i feel the benefits of it and, and that's kind of where i went no know. definitely i think is a great approach to, yeah. to life yeah. yeah can i uh can i set you on a rant now then yeah let's go for a rant so let's <laughs> talk about uh we talk obviously talk about food and putting food inside yourself and the, the the sort of Western world we live in, which is uh, food you know food orientated, and then the 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 nature of where a lot of that food's produced from. Yeah. I presume that sets you angry, maybe. Um, not so much angry, um, but you know I kind of see through some of the some of the stuff. You know, like uh, I think I mentioned like advertising McDonald's to kids and things like that. You know, that's 
Uh, that's not something I kind of believe in. Yeah, um, yeah. The fact that a lot of food has been genetically modified. Um, that you've got foods that have filled with all kinds of chemicals, like your microwave meals and things like that. Even using the microwave itself is something I kind of stopped a long time ago. Um, but you can delve into things like am- amalgam fillings as well, which amalgam fillings are actually called blood poisoning, which is mercury. Um, they can go across the blood-brain barrier and, and pass on to your next generation, so your siblings. Um, so that was one of the first things when I was on my healing journey that I found out that um, amalgam fillings, uh, I had to get them out because they were causing me issues, which was obviously... So you're talking about mouth fillings here? Mouth yeah, fillings, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, right, 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 right. Amalgam uh, mercury fillings yeah, that right. you have in your, in your teeth, so I found out about that. Uh, I found out about parasites, and uh, parasites basically thrive in a, lo- a low-oxygenated environment, so they're um, anaerobic. And they love uh, an environment that has lower levels of oxygen. Now, if you've got amalgam fillings or mercury fillings, then that cuts off oxygen, which gives a breeding ground for parasites in the gut. Right. Uh, these parasites want to feed uh, off high sugary foods and starchy foods and things that make the body acidic and cause lack of oxygen in the body. Now, this is one thing uh, when I had them out because I was having night sweats and things like that when I was so, uh, when I was sick. And um, yeah, it was a, it was really tough. So you got some removed, did you? Yeah, so I've got my amalgam fillings moved. You have right. to do it by an holistic dentist. There's a really great holistic dentist on the island at Folland Health Clinic, Ian Rigby. Um, so yeah, you get them, get them, get them out. You know, right. they're, they're really not good for your health. Right. Um, but yeah, with the food thing and you know, like, like I said, seedless grapes and things like that, they've been genetically modified. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's meant to be grown naturally. If it was grown out in the wild, it'd have seeds. Yeah, so yeah. any any fruits that don't have seeds have obviously been tampered with. Um, so it's just like a big minefield, really. And I think something you mentioned again before we came on, which is there's always a balance to these things. You mentioned about having a pizza here and there. It's yeah. not, yeah. It's it's you need to be ninety five percent on the let's say on the. Well, I say the good side. Obviously, people and we yeah, will yeah. say the good side. Other people might not say it's the good yeah, side. The but on that healthy, side. yeah, the alkaline yeah. side. So, yeah, you know, yeah. If you you just limit the amount of acidity you have, acidity you have in your, yeah, your yeah. diet. You know, as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, juice fasting's good. Um, with the right ingredients, yeah. you know, like I said, you, you think an orange carrot's good for you, when actually it contains sugar and starch, and it's man-made. So, you know, it's that is a real minefield the food thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think Doctor Sebi's nutritional guide is a, is a good place to start. Right. Um, it's difficult at first. You know, I'm not going out and saying I'm not saying I'm not telling anybody. You know, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. so. Uh, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do. Uh, they can make their own decisions. Yeah, it's up no, to them yeah, if they yeah. want to drink alcohol. It's up to them if you want to go to McDonald's. It's up to them whatever they want to do. You know, but we can, we can kind of limit some of the. Yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. You know, then. And that was very much you know this discussion is about you know your experiences and yeah, yeah. everyone has their own free will. Yeah, that's uh, it. To, uh, to everyone's got they... their own choice to do whatever they want, and yeah. I'm not here you know to tell anyone to do anything. But I am setting up my own business, my own company to to do natural healing and natural yeah. health. Uh, obviously teaching the Wim Hof method but in the future I'd like to have a, a natural rehabilitation centre because yep. uh, one thing the Wim Hof method is amazing for and as well as an alkaline diet and inflammation is healing accelerated healing Right. Um, I know of a few people now who've had sports injuries and especially myself yeah. um, and basically they have healed themselves like one, one lad recently thought um, that he'd broken his ankle rang me up and said what should I do should I go and take some ibuprofen and some medication all the rest of it I said just go and do the breathing go and do the cold showers and the next day he was back in the gym right uh, you know and uh, one of my the people who trained me in, in the Netherlands Casper uh, he was running um, he was training for a marathon and he as he was training for a marathon he got kicked by a horse 
and the horse actually broke his arm in two places I think and it was really quite a bad break and um, he knew about the Wim Hof method so he started doing that to kind of get into your pain receptors which is another thing it does um, and then um, a, a lady came up um, he was driving just driving past and managed to pick him up thought he was hyperventilating so oh. stop him. he was like no I know what I'm doing just get me to the hospital <laughs> so she got she got him to the hospital and he carried on doing the breathing um, didn't have any pain medication while he had the surgery and everything just really? carried on doing the breathing wow. um, his arm actually healed itself faster than the doctors could even believe he got no informa- inflammation no bruising he was doing a lot of the Wim Hof method and, and obviously while he was having this going on uh, he couldn't train for the marathon so he went out and ran the marathon without any real training right. and ran a personal best oh, right. because right. the breath work actually simulates high altitude training so low oh, altitude right. level so okay. doing this breath work you can actually and have you talked about or have you heard of situations where outside of or professional athletes using it as part of their is that have you heard yeah that? There's, there's quite a lot I know there's a few UFC fighters uh, right. Diego Sanchez is one of them I know Alistair Overeem is using the Wim Hof okay. method um, who else is there? Uh, Novak Djokovic is oh, using the right, okay. method and has done for years and he's the number one tennis player and yeah, he also yeah. went on a plant-based diet which yeah, is where yeah. he kind of separated from the other three yeah, Federer, yeah. Uh, Murray and um, Nadal and yeah. uh, so you know it's, it's, it's getting out there now I think yeah, people yeah. know the benefits I was going to say so how does, how does someone start is it recommended they look at the breathing techniques first cold you know you're not advising anyone to jump in the sea tomorrow morning but like kind of yeah how, how, how do you get into the the Wim Hof method that we've I would about? well I run courses uh, I run fundamentals courses where we basically it's a four-hour course uh, foods included as well we do a plant-based um, um, food for the, for the end of it um, but yeah so we do courses where I basically go into the science go into a lot of stuff a bit of stuff that we've covered today um, but you know you can get the app for free uh, you can download that. They've got a breathing bubble on there at the minute. You've got uh, videos on YouTube where you can get it free. And you know, it's. Uh, I'm not here about the money for it. You know, it's uh, if you can go out and you can't afford to come no. to a workshop, go and download the Wim Hof yeah, Method yeah, app. Yeah. You know, start doing the breath work, experience that, and and if you want to learn more, then come and see me. Um, but yeah, just start off with that. I started off with a 10 week course, the original course, which was amazing. Um, and then you've got the fundamentals course, which you actually get, I think, a, a discount on at the minute because of COVID. They're giving away discounts on that. Uh, but like I said, you've got videos online on YouTube and things like that you can do for free. And I think the breath work is a really good place to start because, yeah, it, go, it goes pretty deep and it can go pretty deep. So, and I can, I mean, we can tell talking to you that it's, it's a, it, it feels like, well, the sense is very much about. I want to impart, I, you know, I feel so good about this. I, I'm desperate to share and for people to experience what I'm experiencing here. That's yeah. the that's the impression. Yeah, I mean, that, that was it. I mean, I had such a, uh, like like I said, it wasn't ever my intention to, yeah, yeah. to teach the method. But, um, you know, that's the way it's turned out. And yeah, because yeah. I've had such a good experience with it. Uh, you kind yeah. of want to shake people, don't you? Yeah, Go, just, do experience wanna, yeah, this, it's amazing. I mean, especially at the time right now, I mean, I mean we're going through a, a, a supposed respiratory illness um, where we're being told to be locked inside, which goes to the opposite of all the science behind grounding. Uh, you know, going out into nature, which has the best antioxidants you're going to get, you know, by going in and, and connecting with the earth barefoot, uh, going into the sea and things like that, and the rivers, that's going to give you the best 
best healing you're going to get and we're being told to be locked inside yeah, yeah. i know that you know that people in the uk are being forced to wear a mask mandatory uh, when i know that breath work can access the immune system the innate immune system and when when he's getting injected with no, you know yeah. a bacteria um is is fighting off straight away so that goes against everything that i've kind of known experienced and learned and uh, i know that hugging other people because we're people who need to connect with other people because we have you know uh, morphic resonance and and we are just energy if we go to tesla and uh, basically when we hug people we release oxytocin which is the love chemical the love hormone in the body which you know helps heal yeah, so yeah. you know we're going against everything yeah, yeah. kind of you know what makes sense to me yeah. right now and you know I, and, and when i was going down during the whole covid thing i was um i was going down the beach every day i was going for a swim in the sea they tried to someone tried to tell me because i don't listen to the mainstream news and i don't listen to the press briefing and everything else and I was there with like half naked with my towel over my shoulder, shoulder, getting ready to go into the ocean, into the sea. It was like March. It was pretty, pretty cold, and uh, some woman come driving past it on, on a mountain bike, and she had a, and uh, she had a hat on and a mask on and all the rest of it. And she's like shouting something over to me, and I didn't really hear it. I was like, "Pardon?" She's like, "The beach is closed." Uh. I was like, "Okay," so I just gave a nice little <laughs> smile and a wave, and I just had my towel on, on my shoulder, and I just carried on to and just went, for, went for my swim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went for my swim because I know that keeps me strong. I know it keeps my respiratory, uh, cardiovascular system strong. You know, yeah, yeah. and so yeah, it's that's. How often? How often do you go into the sea? Um, probably go on at least three, three or four times a week at the minute. I do want to go more. I want to go in every day. Um, but uh, now I have a good group of friends that we, we go into certain waterfalls every week. Right. And so we pick a different waterfall. So I've got quite a few group of people now. It, kind of it's, it's kind of catching on. Yeah. And, and you know, people want me to go out for a swim with them and on different waterfalls around the island, which is ace because I get to see more of the island now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like when I first moved here when I was 14, you know, um, I used to love seeing the ocean because growing up in, in mm-hmm. Warrington, you don't really, the only time you see the ocean is, is when you go to Blackpool and that's not a very nice ocean <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah, look yeah, at. It's yeah. all brown and, you know, pretty, pretty disgusting. So when I first got to the island, I was, uh, me and my cousin would go in the water quite a bit, but, you know, uh, I never really got to see so much of the island and so like all the beauty spots, of yeah, it, you yeah. know, like the waterfalls and, and the glens and things like that. So. So since getting back from my traveling and doing the Wim Hof method, I'm seeing so much more of the island and seeing so much more beauty in it and, and everything else. That's it's, it's amazing. And the uh, just to go back to people interested in 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 the courses you run, etc. Facebook, the best place to track you down. Yeah, so I'm actually on Facebook as Ian Ianson in brackets Kirk and the reason because I was off Facebook for five years before I went traveling uh, as I was just doing all this learning I was just at home like a hermit learning so I didn't want to mess around with yeah. Facebook and take on everyone else's stuff so before I was going traveling actually my father's name's Ian so and I was looking into quite all the Nordic stuff and how they name the son oh, and right, okay. so, so for me it was Ian Ian's son so yeah, Ian, yeah. son of Ian so yeah so uh, actually on Facebook I'm Ian Ianson yeah. in brackets Kirk uh, I also have Inner Alchemy, which is my company okay. I'm starting. And um, yeah, so Inner Alchemy um, on Facebook, also yeah. on Instagram. We also have a website as well, innerralchemy.im. Okay. Um, we'll so add them we, in our show notes so as well. Yeah, so we ad- advertise all um, all the workshops and whatnot on yeah, there. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah. It's the, uh, a couple of other things to cover off, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, yeah. Keep plowing on. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about the gut earlier. Yeah. Uh, again, bits have 
done about the gut they're saying it's like the second brain in the body yeah what's your experience with obviously you mentioned about at the beginning about having uh, health issues at a younger age and gut related yeah so I presume that's the, quite important and debilitating bowel condition that i had is obviously you know um, which was severe and um and yeah so it's the fact that i got sick and obviously that was it took me to that place yeah. where I had to learn, forced me to learn, which I'm grateful for all of that yeah, experience yeah, yeah. now. But yeah, there's, there's brain cells in the gut. Okay. There's brain is actually brain cells in the gut and it's connected. The, the whole human body is one connected thing, you know, and, and we get a lot of the surgeons and, and, and doctors and things like that. They're only trained in dealing with one part of the body. Whereas if you look at the human body as a whole, it's uh, it's a whole organism. You know, yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah. We're trying to work in harmony. Whereas when you have disharmony, you have dis-ease. You know, so um, so you apply that when you think about the gut and the importance of the gut, and go back to food and what you put in that yeah. gut, and that's you know just talking to the brain and yeah, and like, like the same with the parasites. You know, they, you know you've got lack of oxygen, you've got your eat. Say so, so if you're eating meat, therefore you know if you leave a, a piece of meat on the on the side in your house for over a week or wherever it is, what's going to happen to the meat? starts getting worms and maggots and stuff yeah so when you put it in your body and your core temperature is 37 degrees yeah, where's yeah. those parasites going to go yeah, yeah, yeah. you know they're going to go into your body and into your gut and 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 like i said they're they're the ones who kind of dictate and oh so if you've got a craving for a sugary piece of sugary food or something that's acidic you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. probably because you might have the parasites in your gut that want that food yeah, yeah. and for me you know like as much as you don't want to you know go be like oh no i've not got these things in my gut well when yeah, i was I've... at when i was at the healing village and i'd already been on a dr sebi's village usha and um and i had already been kind of living on a pretty decent diet before i got there and uh, maybe not as best as i could do but yeah when i was taking the herbal medicines and fasting i literally seen um, six inch Parasites right. coming out of me, <laughs> right? Oh, right. Wow. So yeah, and then you know if you've got them inside your body, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not good. They're gonna yeah. be multiplying and and breeding. Well, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, passing all the crap yeah. that comes out of them yeah, into yeah, you yeah. And, and whatnot. So you know when you do go on the fast and reducing and things like that, really take care of the gut. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I Green juices, um, things like kale, yeah. hemp seed. Um, well, root ginger. Uh, there's a there's a fulvic minerals that you can get, which are really good. Right. Um, I get one called Shilajé, and it, you can get it, it's like fulvic minerals from the the Himalayas. Right. You, can, you only need a tiny little amount of it. It's like a resin. Right. You can put that in with your smoothies and stuff. Right. Uh, your sea mosses. Um, yeah, all that type of stuff. Yeah, you mentioned sea moss. I think before we came on, uh, but that's something yeah. Doctor CB talks about. Yeah, yeah, sea moss. So sea moss actually has, I think, ninety two of the hundred two minerals that the body right. needs uh, well it actually has all of them but some of them are only trace minerals and that's fantastic for your diet and uh, calcium sure. your question that's some form of plant uh, sea moss is actually seaweed I was going to ask that exact yeah, so question <laughs> I assume it's sea and it's a yeah, moss related yeah. so type it's, it's actually a seaweed so it's a, I call, actually called Irish moss and then you can actually get it in deep parts of the Irish sea well. oh, right, uh, okay. the, the, I think the best sources I think places like Jamaica and stuff like that that have it um, right but yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, Doctor Sevier was actually fasting off it, and same as Lisa Left Eye Lopez when he was when he was oh, here right. with her. Okay. And uh, yeah, she she I think she did a, a 40, 42 day fast. Right. That's why Pat and Gwendolyn ended up doing it in, in memory of Lisa. Oh right, okay. And um, 
and yeah so and she, and she loved it she, I think Dr. Sebi there's a story where he says that Lisa came in at like 2 o'clock in the morning she's like I love you Dr. Sebi <laughs> and she's there with a team moss in her hand and she's like I love, you know, I love this Great so, and she loved it that much. He actually took a family there. There's a, there was a video on YouTube. Uh, oh, I don't right, know if it's okay. censored now or whatnot, but there was a video where she actually took her family members to, to the village and right. showing them around and, and what it was all about. And that's how much she believed in yeah, him right, and believed yeah. in him. So, so again, we're switching ranks, there's just sort of notes to cover off. Yeah. And I go back to the, I mentioned at the start, when on the mindful course, yeah. it's only half an hour of your time. But what, what we did was, you know, everyone that was there lay on the ground. Yeah. big inhale yeah through the kind of three gut chest i do remember yeah. these things yeah. and then head and then <laughs> not a small exhale but a quick yeah. exhale and just in. like you're letting go yeah so, you know it's deep inhale and then just letting go fully in and letting go so it's like 60 uh 40 breaths yeah 30 to 40 breaths like that so it's a fully inhale but what you'll notice is um which we training in the workshop is most of the time we're breathing into our chest and we're breathing in through the mouth which uh, i know women would say it doesn't matter just get it in through any hole yeah uh, that's kind of what women would say but uh which which is correct you know with, with his method um but you know nasal breathing if you can especially during the day and uh we really want to fill up the lower barrel area uh, you know really deep into the belly yeah. uh, which then uh, the diaphragm goes down and massages all the organs and things like that so it's it's vital that we really get that deep breath in that we don't normally do and uh, the long inhale which actually actually activates the the rest part of the nervous system you know okay. we were talking about the the animalistic the tendencies you know running from a predator yeah see we've got two parts of the nervous system so you've got the sympathetic and you've got the parasympathetic now the sympathetic is like the the accelerator on the car okay it's the fight or flight, the one that needs you to fight or flight. Um, uh, if, uh, if you're running from a predator uh, back in the day, so most of the time you'd be 95% in the parasympathetic, the rest part, you know, because you were just going about your day to get some fruit or whatever, whatever it is you did when you lived in the cave or on the plains. Whereas now, with uh, the way we live and our lifestyle, so we have to get up early, we have to get the kids ready, we have to go, uh, you know, get them ready for school, to drop them off, go to work, come home, get the kids leave work get the kids you know then you sit down after you finally put the kids to bed and sort them out with you know, you, you sit down and you, you put something on tv it's an action film or, or whatever it is no. it keeps you in that sympathetic constantly so you're constantly in this overdrive this sympathetic and this is what kind of made me sick in the first place was i was constantly you know i was working on my feet all day uh, in a quite an energetic job 60 hours a week some weeks and then i was um basically playing football hitting the gym playing football yeah. sympathetic 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 you know constantly and it's like you know you, you take your car home and you, and you leave it on the drive and you, you basically just leave it on all night yeah, yeah. And you just carry on running yeah, yeah. and that's what it's like when you're constantly in the, uh, in the sympathetic whereas like with the wim Hof method and that breath hold retention and, and, and we're bringing ourselves back into the parasympathetic the real right. rest part and, and you know and that's what we need and that's what helps with sleep quality and things like that obviously the cold as well but um but when you're in the, the sympathetic you know if you're in fire flight what happens to you know your digestive system so not only now if you say if you're eating meat that might can contain parasites and whatnot and your body needs to digest that so if you're in fire flight do you need your immune system mm. if you're trying to run from a save to tiger what's your immune system? you know uh, your digestive system do you need that no, so that gets subdued. 
also um, the whole fear thing and your immune system and whatnot when you're living in fear that kind of reduces your immune system so currently now at the time with the mainstream media pumping out everything about the cases of covid and all the rest of it it's like you're in sympathetic so you're actually weakening your immune system by constantly focusing yeah. on that yeah you're turning off your digestive system for fight or flight whereas yeah. if we really get into that parasympathetic that's where you're going to get the heat that's what that breathing's bringing you into that space so the breathing is bringing you into that space yeah what i find quite interesting it's more whether it's that important in that process but after those things like 40, 40 breaths you then you don't hold your breath but you stop breathing mm-hmm. and again for you know don't be swimming or whatever you know you hold your you know when you hold your breath you always intake breath so you feel like you need to fill your lungs up yeah which after that that experience of the course when you just kind of stop breathing really you just kind of you don't fill yourself full of after you've done that breathing but after we think we did for five or ten minutes the end of the different cycles you'd stop breathing for one minute 42 well, i know i remember you were saying 130 and then you were saying don't breathe if you don't if you're comfortable don't if you're yeah. not carry on breathing so and probably in, within those within that half an hour session it was two minutes of i wasn't holding a breath but just not breathing but if yeah. you said to anyone you pull anyone in off the street and said hold your breath for two minutes they couldn't yeah so i assume you're flooding your body there with you yeah, with, with oxygen yeah so yeah you, you, you but not your lungs it's your body you're flooding i think yeah, that was the so, thing that yeah, occurred yeah. to me was this isn't a lung related thing yeah it's, you're flooding the body with oxygen but that oxygen uh, that goes into the body can't be basically taken in by the body because what happens is um you need the co2 so the CO two, which you believe is a byproduct, or we get taught as a byproduct, is uh, not actually a byproduct. We need that to help the um, the oxygen be released by the uh, hemoglobin into the bloodstream. So when you're actually filling the body up with all this oxygen, you're actually causing an oxygen deficit, even though you you're maxing out your oxygen levels because the oxygen can't be used. Right. A bit mad to think. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because the oxygen can't be used, so then when after doing 30, 40 breaths and we do the retention hold. Uh, so what you're happening uh, is happening then is the CO2 levels are starting to go back up and the oxygen is starting to come back down. But the oxygen is now being used because the CO2 is going back up. So you're actually pushing your CO2 threshold and you're actually pushing your oxygen threshold as well. Okay. So you're forcing your body to adapt to low levels of oxygen, which is always like high altitude training. All right, okay. So you're basically yeah, yeah. doing high altitude training without going anywhere, just right. by lying yeah, yeah. on the ground, you know. So it's... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's pretty amazing stuff. And the other thing, it kind of when we talk, we talk about say women running a marathon or, or in that cold environment, is that that uh, that at that moment when you're running, you're not you're not doing breath work, are you? Or are you? Or no, I mean the breath work's kind of the training to get to that point to be able to run. Training, but yeah. you know. For, you know, if I was running me personally, you know, and I've read books by the uh, by Patrick McEwen, uh, the oxygen advantage, things like that, and I know the benefits of nasal breathing, so I would um, use his method yeah, right. of kind of running and the bolt score and things that he uses. Right. Um, so nasal breathing, if you can, uh, if you have to, if you're pushing it that much that you need to use your mouth, then slow the pace down a little bit until your body gets used to it breathing through the nose because right. most of the time and I was a, an habitual mouth breather and I suffered with asthma as a child um, gone now I assume yeah gone now um, but nasal breathing is is you know what we should be breathing right. it's our breathing apparatus you know yeah, this is yeah. for eating this is for breathing yeah, you know? right. so yeah, yeah. that's technically what we should be using so if I was running I would tend to use the, the nose and and, yeah, and, right. and train being able to yeah. nasal breathe right. 
And you meditate, I presume you do a bit of meditation, do you? Not really, you no. know. I, I, like, years ago when, what kind of put me on this journey, uh, yeah. when I bought the, the power of the subconscious mind and, and, and kind of was looking for an answer, um, I was meditating then, but... I find the breathing uh, and the cold yeah. kind of gets me into that That's, kind of Yeah, state. you mentioned about that shortcut earlier, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get into, you know, once I've done the Wim Hof Method breathing and afterwards I come back down and, you know, I have that 10, 10 or 15 minutes after that and I'm just kind of in it. Yeah, yeah. And that is kind of, I use that as my, my meditation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Great. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's thanks. been absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think no. we could get on to more. Yeah, no, I, I think so. the thing is probably more. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, we appreciate your time. You can see you're super oh, passionate about it. Oh, thank you. Uh, thanks, I man. know uh, it's been on my radar for for a long while, and mm-hmm. uh, I do feel I go back to the, the start and talking about the fatigue I've gone. Yeah. Though I've started to feel better over the last four weeks, even the last few days, well, starting to feel pretty heavy and. Uh, the focus isn't there all the time it uh, will help and uh, also you know the fatigue um this is something i had to deal with myself um because i had to take a break from teaching the method over the christmas period because i had quite a lot going on in my life but i also had some kind of stuff going on um that i put down to stress but you know like i said you should always mm-hmm. listen to your body and then this is something i had a bit of cognitive dissonance to um beforehand but then when the whole COVID thing kicked off, I something I kind of delved into looking into, which is um, I kind of limit myself from now. And, and some of the issues I had first was uh, I was getting really fatigued. I was having heart palpitations. I was having some chest pain. Uh, I had a cyst growing in my, my right eye. Um, and yeah, and I was having some, with the chest pains and the heart palpitations, I, I was managing to just keep it off with, with the Wim Hof method and sometimes cold showers three times a day. But um it wasn't until later on in, in March time that I kind of figured out what it was. And um, yeah, it was being surrounded by electromagnetic frequencies. Right. Uh, which that can really have a, an issue. And I know like with um, with the cyst that I had grown in my eye, the doctor got me straight in straight away because I had laser eye surgery in the past. Right. Before I knew about sun gazing. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I went in for kind of a checkup and they noticed because I, I, every time I was blinking, I was having this issue in my right eye and they spotted that this cyst growing. And we've put some measures in place. I managed to, when I went back, it was kind of reducing. So that was good. The doctor said, that, no, that's fine. It's actually getting, it's getting smaller now. Um, but why, uh, there was one point where I stood up and it was, I was living in a block of flats in Douglas, a middle floor flat. And uh, one day I stood up and my eyesight went completely. And I was just like, I can't see. And I was saying to my friend and my girlfriend, I was like, I can't see, you know, what's go- what, what is this? And I just felt really weird. I was having really bad brain fog. I was having trouble stringing sentences together. It was like really, you know, I kept forgetting what I was talking about and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this isn't this isn't right. And instead of listening to my body, I put it down to stress. But then when I started delving into the electromagnetic frequency stuff, I was like, okay, this makes sense. And, and when I started to limit myself from those, my symptoms just went away. And they're coming from what different areas? I assume so phone's like, one. Phone is one. Um, two phones. Um, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. So uh, I have a business phone as well. But yeah. now I always kind of never have a normal person. I was, you know, I used to sleep with my phone next to my bed at night and right. things like that next to my head. And and then testing that, um, you got Bluetooth house phones that you might have next to your bed, which right. I tested. They were actually given off more than a might turned on microwave. Right. Wow. <laughs> next to your bed and things like that, which <laughs> I noticed your, your routers. Um, you know, um, so I, I put some things in place where I've got some stones, there's certain stones and crystals that you can get oh, to really? kind of block out EMFs. Right. Uh, there's also sort of put my 
phone on play mode most of the time now. I don't have it on my body. Uh, and, and when I am in, in an environment where the, the electromagnetics um, are quite high, I can feel my eyes start to oh, right, okay. you know, irritate me a little bit. So I'm like, okay. But, um, and, and do you think that, like, if you asked, a, 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 again, a man on the street, they'd, they'd maybe roll their eyes. But do you think that's because you're now so in tune with, for, because of this journey, because you've learned about your body and what's going on that, that that's you know well whether you're yeah. right or wrong is it is a matter for but that's your uh, your view of that yeah, absolutely i mean i know my body now from from everything i've yeah, been yeah, doing yeah. and it's like if something's not right you know like i listen to it you know i listen to uh, an experience and, and now i'm grateful for that i mean i actually had a panic attack on, on in december on my dad's birthday and it was like my head was all over the place i actually wrote <laughs> sorry dad but i actually wrote my dad uh, his birthday card and uh, in a christmas card oh, right. and uh, my head was that up my uh, up my ass yeah. that I, I didn't even notice until christmas day and my dad was like what do you think of that birthday card oh, right. <laughs> and i was like it says christmas so yeah that's that's the the way my head was at the time yeah, and yeah. i really you know it, i beat myself up about it because i didn't know what was going on i couldn't understand it and then and obviously i had cognitive dissidence to the other thing and didn't really look into that and uh, i did a little bit before i went traveling but then you know i kind of passed it off and then the more i like like Dr. Sevy's theory, you know, it, it, Dr. Sevy would say, I don't lend myself to philosophy and I don't yeah, lend yeah. myself to theory, even I know or I don't know. So for me, I was like, well, okay, could this be possible? Uh, I didn't believe it at first, but, you know, I'm going to go out and buy the meters. I'm going to test it for myself. Right. And this is how then I started finding out that like, I just bought a, a brand new laptop to start doing some Zoom calls during lockdown. Yeah. And I was living in a remote home and I had a dongle. I had two phones. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. No wonder I'm feeling like a bit down. So I was like, right, I kind of put that crystal on jacket hold. on. Yeah. So I kind of put that on hold uh, until, you know, I, I actually felt better myself. And then yeah, once yeah. the chest pain went and the palpitations went and then like, obviously the other issues, the brain fog cleared up uh, oh, pretty right. much straight away. And it was like, it was amazing how quick the body was to yeah, go yeah. back to, to feeling normal again. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. for me that was, and obviously I wasn't living in Douglas. I wasn't in a block of flats surrounded by Wi-Fi and all, yeah, the, yeah. And all the, the new telecommunications towers that are being put up everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and that's that's another thing that kind of doesn't make sense to me is that, you know, during a, a time of a, a so-called pandemic and a respiratory issue, we're putting up, uh, we're cutting down real trees that give off oxygen and we're putting up electric ones, you know, that cause all kinds of yeah, apoptosis yeah. and cell death and all kinds of other issues, you know, and, and the fact that people um, kind of see that as a conspiracy or something else is like, you know, you've got to look into it. You, yeah, you've yeah. got to look at both sides of the story. Uh, for me, you know, I didn't believe in it at first, but now after getting sick, yeah, yeah. it gave me that kick up the ass once again that I needed to say, listen, you've got to learn about something else. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and if you're willing to listen. And do you feel there's a certain, uh, again, from maybe other powers to suppress that information and knowledge? Yeah, I, I, I personally believe so. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. You know, um, you know, if... If the system is set up for everyone to be well, then why is everyone sick? Do- <laughs> uh, why is everyone sick? And Doctor Sevy's been healing, uh, you know, all kinds of ailments. For, yeah, or yeah. was healing all kinds of ailments yeah, since yeah. 1985, and you know this that should have been all yeah, over the world yeah, and all yeah. over the media and all over everywhere, but it's not. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think they make massive amounts of money off people being in that middle ground of not being healthy but not being too sick where you're yeah, gonna yeah. die, and then you know, and they, I think they make a a lot of money, and if you're yeah. healed. You're not going to be a customer for life yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. goes with like things I've seen uh, antidepressants uh, used on a family member for my, my whole life. 
and uh, it's not made them any better. And, and in your darker times, were you on them? Did you get to that far? No, no, because no, I always said, um, you know, because my family member who has been suffering always said to me, always said to me, one day you, you'll be suffering, might be suffering this. It's kind of in the family, which is something that I don't believe in. You yeah, know? Yeah. And I always said, no, my mindset's too strong for that. You know, that's never going to be me, you know, and, and I've luckily I've stuck to that. And even yeah, though I yeah. got to my darkest point, so it's not never something I was, was going to so, try. Because I've seen what it does, and I've seen how addicted it is, and I've I've seen other like friends, close friends, uh, who've used them for a short period of time. They've been like, "No way, I'm, I know, I can't use so them." I was speaking to uh, the doctor recently, and he was asking me again. I was talking to him about fatigue and questions they ask about depression, and yeah. they asked me if depression ran in my family, yeah. uh, which would kind of intimate that that can be an hereditary issue. I assume, obviously, your view of that is not. Again, I appreciate you're not yeah. a doctor either, and I'm not yeah, a doctor. But just these are just people. I can't you know, tell anybody not no, to no. take any medication. Yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah, you know well, I mean? that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm here for. But you know, for me, like it runs in my family. You know, and and at the end of the even when I was depressed, and you know, I was not depressed. I wouldn't even call it depressed. I was just done in. I was. Yeah. I'd had enough. You know, and I was like, you know, I knew I wasn't depressed, but it was just I was going through a dark patch, and um, yeah, and and I never. F- yeah, it's meant to run in my family, but yeah, from books like uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, The Biology of Belief, if you've not read that, I'd highly advise reading right. that, and that talks about how we are made to believe that we are um, kind of victims of our genes, and you know, we're going to yeah, pass yeah. on these right. yeah. things, and, and he, he basically says it's not true, and he's got the science and the biology that backs it up as well, so it's like, it's, it's an amazing read, yeah. uh, The Biology of Belief, and, um, and yeah, so I kind of, I don't, I don't believe that, and I think we... We take on our our parents' eating habits, you know. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. What yeah. To eat. So, we, you know, we Do- take Doctor Gregor. Yeah. I don't even listen to any of his stuff. He, yeah. he do, I mean, he just talks about healthy eating generally, and yeah. the, the biggest sort of six killers in the Western world are, are, are basically food related yeah. killers, whether yeah. it be heart disease, etc., uh, yeah. etc. Et and he talks about his belief as well as that a lot of the diseases aren't hereditary. Hereditary because naturally bought by your parents, so you follow their habits, and again, it's back to that habit, isn't it? Yeah, You've got that habit, and therefore you stick it. to that uh, habit. Uh, the environment you're in between the ages of one and six, yeah, as yeah. the Jesuit priest would say, yeah. uh, show me the, uh, give me the boy uh, between the ages of one and six, and I should show you the man because that's where you get your programming yeah. and who you're going to be when you're older, and that's the foundations that you get to live the rest of your life by. Um, but yeah, it's we 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 um we're taking all that, and some of it could be trauma as well. Trauma from yeah, uh, the yeah. birthing process, for example. There's a great book called When the Impossible Happens by Stanislav Grof. Uh, he's a guy who invented holotropic breathing, okay. which is uh, like a trauma release breathing. And um, yeah, um, it's you know it's some people have gone back to the birthing process. Right. They actually took on the anxiety from the mother. All right. Mother okay. Was actually feeling anxious about you know the birth and process and then and giving birth for the first. I think time I've, I'll not. be honest. I think I've had trauma. I'd have trauma if I had to think about the birth, my birth, <laughs> and being there with my mother. But, but there you go. And like some of these people have gone back to that by the birth and yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. the breathing, yeah, and right. uh, they've gone back to those moments and they've figured out that okay, that's kind of what it was from, and then yeah. let it go. Then you know, and yeah, it, yeah. it could even stem from that, and that's how far back it can go. Right. But you know what do um, what do we do in in our westernized world to, to to kind of deal with that? You know, we we just apply somebody off with tablets. You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah. You, are you getting to the root cause of the problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and this is the way I, I kind of see health is like if you've got a if you've got a car, okay, for example, if you've got a car and um, you put say it's a petrol engine, you put diesel in it. 
going to happen to you. Yeah, yeah. It's going to break down, isn't it? Yeah. So if you're putting the wrong fuel into your yeah, body, yeah, your yeah, body's yeah. going to break down. Okay. And in, in, in all types types of ways, whether it be psychological, mental, or physical. Um, but say your your service light comes up on your car, comes up and tells you your car needs a service. It needs an oil change. It needs you know. So our body comes up with an issue, right? You've got a pain somewhere, or you got something going on yeah, your head. Yeah. What what do you need to do? You need to go and have that change that oil change that cleaning that cleansing or fastener or whatever it is um but you know if you take the the car to the garage and you just tell the mechanic to take the the service light out yeah, instead yeah. of doing the service like you you take a, a tablet for your body yeah, yeah. to knock off the receptor that's giving you the pain that's saying yeah, listen yeah. you're doing something wrong so then you drive away and you, what's going to happen to your car and yeah, you're basically, yeah. yeah you're fixing the effect not the cause on you there you go you're yeah. not getting to the root cause of the problem yeah. you're not you're not dealing with the issue you know what i mean yeah, and i know yeah. a lot of people it takes a lot of dark stuff potentially to to go into but you yeah know, yeah it's yeah yeah it's no. something it's coffee done and then it takes some some very you know it's it's hard to stop eating dairy it's hard to stop eating meat you know because you crave some of that stuff but you know once you go through that and pass that craving stage yeah, yeah, yeah. you mm. start to feel better you, know? you always kind of feel maybe people are more aware of the effects that that changing habits easier yeah but yeah, because often it's small and accumulative. Yeah. There's not and an appreciation. Yeah, and another thing, Doctor, like Doctor Sevi would say, and uh, there's a there's an there's another doctor who's come out recently, and and he's kind of backed up everything he's been saying, and uh, what I've kind of been saying for a while is, you know, Doctor Sevi would say that a germ, virus, and bacteria develops inside the human body, not without, and it can't be caught from the air. So therefore, if you understand that, you you then take ownership back of your own health. And you put the responsibility mm. back in your yeah, own hands. Yeah, yeah. So Doctor Sevy would say, you know, like if you take a if you take a patient and you lie him in a bed for a month, okay, when you've been lying that patient in a bed and you lift them up, what's going to be underneath on on where there's no oxygen? Yeah, bed sores, right? Yeah. So those bed sores, you know, you'll find in those bed sores is little worms, oh, parasites right. that come right. out out of the bed sore. And why? Because the uh, the parasites thrive in a non-oxygenated environment yeah, yeah, right. so where are they going to go to they're going to go to the place where the beds yeah, are yeah, in yeah, and yeah. where you lay down and it's not getting the oxygen hmm. yeah? yeah now dr andrew kaufman um uh, he's also come out recently and said exactly the same yeah, thing yeah. so you know yeah. when we look at it in that angle we can actually we're not putting the blame on others you know, yeah like, it's interesting I, that comment about ownership and it comes across yeah. in other you know in all aspects of life in life yeah. taking ownership of whatever's going on in, in your life yeah you take yeah. ownership you know you're not blaming it on anybody else oh you give me a call because you coughed on me last yeah, week yeah. oh you know you've been sick so you know and that's something i've put to the test myself you know when uh, i used to get sick all the time you know i used to get chest infections i used to constantly if i got the flu or a cold common cold out of like two weeks you know it just wouldn't ever shift but yeah. i was eating six meals a day and yeah, i was yeah. you know having a lot of acidic food which i didn't realize at the time but um so yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah th th so i actually would go into when i found out about this with dr sevi and my diet was was on point you know I, i'd go into a room of a house full of uh people who were sick you know, yeah, the whole yeah. family was sick and they'd be like oh don't come in you're gonna catch yeah, it yeah, don't catch it like that and yeah. i'd sit there and i won't get sick i've not been sick. i've not even had a, a sniffle since yeah, yeah, yeah. and i've sat in plenty of rooms with plenty of people yeah, who've been yeah, sick yeah, and, yeah. and whatnot and yeah, and yeah. So, all right well thanks again for coming in yeah. it's appreciated you're welcome yeah, 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 no, yeah no. thanks like thanks for having me Sorry no no pleasure. A little bit no no not at all yeah 
I'm sure so, we could go on a lot longer. Yeah. So, yeah. so thanks for your time, Ian. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk openly. Yeah, well. no, no, it's a pleasure. Is... And we'll in the footnotes as well, we'll add some links to where people can find you. And thanks. I expect I'll be on one of your courses in due course. Uh, oh, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you want to check us out, Matt? Yep. Uh, so wherever you're listening to us today, please like, share, subscribe, and leave those five-star reviews, pretty please. On social media, Facebook, we're the M Word Podcast. Twitter, Max Sports Pod, and on Instagram, we are the M Word IOM. Still remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And it's word out from Martin and word out from Matt. Thank you. Yeah.